Hello, strangers on the internet, brimming with the power to be strong and the wisdom to be wise. Welcome to another spirited episode of Nitwick, the podcast about friends and video games. This week's topic is competitive esports and the communities that arise around them. Uh, today's fun pun is now that's what I call a champion. And today's amazing guest is competitive Smash player and rad dude, Matt Brown. Say hi, Matt. Hello, everyone. Ah, that's Matt. He's here. We're going to talk about games. It's going to be great. I'm Drew Fasciano, and fun fact about myself, my favorite sport is soccer, because I get to kick things really hard, and I get to run real fast. Oh, man. Oh, no. Zach, Zach, is it also your favorite sport? I just... Adam, go first. Uh, okay, so hi, my name's Adam, and my favorite sport, uh... The toss-up. I like watching hockey a lot, but I also really like water polo because I did a lot of water polo for a while. So one of the two, whichever one happens to be on, I, you know. I want to, I want just, it to be water polo. I don't know why. I just feel like that's the one. That's the one that goes with you. I'm choosing your favorite sport for you. So here's the thing. Mm -hmm. The reason I really like water polo is because when I started playing water polo, uh, I was also playing Final Fantasy X at the time. Oh so, water polo was as close as I was ever going to get to real-life Blitzball. So, my favorite sport is Blitzball, but if I have to be real, it's got to be water polo, because at least that's kind of huh. 2D Blitzball. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're taking it. Well, it's kind of 3D. You can dive under. Zach, no more stalling. What is your favorite sport? My, my favorite sport is also soccer. <gasps> oh my god, Zach, you mean football? Football, and it's it's almost as if we played soccer together for many many years, Drew. Zach, that's impossible. I have no idea what positions in sports are whatsoever. I just love the look of the ball, the checkered look. That's it. <laughs> Plus, none of us have ever met before. We are all complete strangers. Oh man, that's true. that's true. That's true, Matthew right. Brown. By the way, what is your favorite sports? <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't like sports, but as a <laughs> something, something, I, I think that the ones that are on the most, I remember just sitting in a bar, and the ones that I tend to watch the most uh, is either uh, basketball or football. Uh, I like basketball just because it's a good combination of a game with individual skill and team skill. Like, you watch football, mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot of standing around, and then, like, one person screws up a play so it doesn't work out. But with basketball, like, someone can just get frustrated and, like, make a three-point shot that they should not have done, and it just works. I remember at one point realizing, because uh, my, my I have a lot of friends that are into football, and uh, this is American football, um, and they were they were really psyched for the Super Bowl. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna watch the Super Bowl with them. It astonished me of how little anything gets done in this game because it's like we got the ball, we're gonna run like maybe a couple yards. Now it's back to a commercial. We'll come. We'll come back later. That's kind of my interpretation of football: is a whole lot of hype and like build up and no payoff that I care about whatsoever. Like, oh man, that was a good thirty seconds of entertainment, and it's gone as we talk about plays. And there's a a commercial for a sports drink. There you go. Wasn't it something like there's only like eleven minutes of actual football played at like the Super? Bowl? I don't think it's that little, but but yeah, there's not there's not much actual gameplay. They, they pretty much just slam into each other really hard and then the play's over. Yeah. You know what my favorite sport is? Listening to Matt Brown's week. Oh, mm -hmm. um, well, my week has been spent doing mostly what I was doing right now. Sitting in front of a laptop with having lots of problems and being way too goddamn hot. Oh, dear. How hot, how hot is it where you're at right now? So it's, it's cooled off um, today, but this entire week it was above 100 degrees every day. 
Well, I mean, you um, are straight up next to Burbank, which is on fire. It's on like, fire, yeah. There's also a massive fire going on, so it's nice and smoky, too. Oh, um, my goodness. Mm, did you just, like, walk outside, like, ooh, barbecue. It was, mm, it was literally ash on our front doorstep, and our cars are covered with, like, soot. It's great. Well, that's that's fun. <laughs> so you guys are, like, living in Pompeii at the moment. That, you know, that's groovy. Yeah, we're living in... Dark Souls 3, like, happened to us. Like, we're just... <laughs> so it's the dream. It's the life that you play. It's it's the life you want. Anyway, this week I had to do a, a lot of work. Um, so I was mainly miserable. Uh, just did a bunch of work and it's really hot. It sucked. Although Monday I got to go to Disneyland, so that was pretty sweet. And then I paid for Disneyland. The rest of the week. Yay, Disney. Did you uh did you play any video games or anything or? Oh yeah, I don't I don't, I don't even like video games, guys. Oh oh, oh well you know oh. you know it's uh. That's an unfortunate. Well, what wow. books did uh, you read? No, uh, actually, this week I picked up um, the new XCOM Two expansion. Uh, I never played oh, XCOM yeah. Two, and I'm loving it right now. Um, nice. I'd heard weird things about the second one that it wasn't quite as good, so I was like, eh, okay, I can wait. And I don't know if they fixed it with this expansion or maybe those reviews are wrong, but I think it's awesome. The expansion is really mm-hmm. cool. And then also along the same XCOM trip, I picked up um, Mario Rabbids Kingdom. Yo, oh, how is yeah, that? Which is also an XCOM game, which I didn't know. I was like, what, oh. what is this stupid? It's actually amazing, which what I didn't is, think so was going to happen. I thought XCOM I was going to hate 2? this game. Not better than XCOM is 2, it? but pretty close. It's actually really good, and it's actually pretty funny. I normally hate the rabbits because they remind me of uh, minions. minions. They're just kind of like, yeah, dumb and annoying. Uh, but they're actually, the, 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 the humor in this game is pretty good, and the gameplay is great. Nice. You know, that's the one thing... The pretty consistent thing i've heard about this game is that i was like this is really stupid oh wait hold on this is pretty fun yeah <laughs> yeah this is great yeah i, I was pleasantly surprised because i saw it at e3 and i was like what what were they thinking what is this and then you play it and you're like oh wow now i've heard it is effectively an xcom style game like is it like straight up is it remixed like i i'm surprised that nintendo of all people were like yo this is what we need in our lineup that's you know? yeah, that's partially what's weird about it is that xcom is like violent and hard and weird so they had to like translate that to a mario format where like there's no actual violence so you kill people and they fall over and then they get back up and like get sad and like turn into like a puff of like digital dust mm-hmm. which is the most unsatisfying thing because in xcom you kill somebody and they like shower in blood or explode or something awesome uh, but no, it's not like that. But it actually isn't... Um, it's pretty unique. One of the things that you can do in this game is it incorporates platforming stuff. So um, you can, like, you can jump on enemies or you can, like, slide into them and knock them over. Like, and it, it, there's much more emphasis on movement. So, for instance, mm-hmm. one of the things you can mm-hmm. do is you can... you Instead of your movement square being, like, a linear amount that you can move, you can move, like, six spaces. You have, like, mm-hmm. a six-tile movement range and you can do okay. a bunch of crap on your turn in that range so for instance you can like run up to a dude and then hit him and then run back and go to your teammate who can give you like a boost jump to get somewhere else and that's all just one Mm. movement action and then you can shoot after that so there's a a huge emphasis on on like different ways to set things up in this game is it better than Hmm. xcom 2 which is the thing it's trying to be oh i don't i don't don't think it's trying to be xcom 2 it's trying to be uh, it's trying to be its own thing i think it's damn good at it hmm you know what's weird? It surprises me that the Rabbids started off as like a Rayman spinoff and then became their like own thing. Dude, they're like more popular than the core game. It's kind of sad. I like Rayman a lot. Yeah, Rayman never caught on. I guess you need arms to catch on. You take that back. <laughs> you take that back right now. Rayman could catch on if he wanted to. He just chooses not to. 
I mean, if you're going to catch on, you really need some legs. You got to get some legs on you. If Rayman doesn't have those either. Is that is that it for your week, Matt? Yeah, let's. I'll keep it short since there's going to be a bunch of us going. Yeah. Well, you know who also has arms? Who? Drew. I do have and arms. And Drew probably had a, a week while keeping his arms intact. You know, I did. I kept my arms intact. Uh, my Wi-Fi was replaced. And so for a few days, I had none. And then for a few days more, I had spotty Wi-Fi. And then finally, I got true beautiful Wi-Fi all over my apartments. Uh, and we're still having a few bugs here and there. So that's fun. But the fact is, it's going to be better. And it is a little better. And it's making my life better. It sounded like you were talking about your Wi-Fi being everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, all I could think was is that someone, that your Wi-Fi was confetti and you were just throwing it all over your apartment. You know, that's not <laughs> too far away from how I feel about it. Like, <laughs> like, I can go into the kitchen and like my phone will work and I can stream from Netflix or like listen to music and it doesn't have to be like tied to like a hard thing. Um, so that's kind of nice. Uh, I don't have movies that are like dropping midway through like Hackers when we watched it. Uh, so, you know, yeah, good things. And then... Uh, no, Drew, yeah, that only up? added to the experience because it was like we were getting hacked while watching the movie. I mean, that is true. <laughs> that is very true. I don't know how much that helped. Uh, aside from that it's been pretty damn hot over here in san francisco we've been breaking records which is not the funnest in the world but uh luckily i live pretty close to the water and i got to just kind of hang out there i um let's see here i went to the legion of honor and i saw a bunch of mummies saw a big old mummy that was fun um ties into a comic i'm reading so that was like a weird coincidence and then I got to hang out with all you guys over by the water today. So I'm doing pretty good. Yay. Yeah. Not you, Matt. You, you, you weren't there because you were like a couple hours away. Yeah. You were just with us in spirit. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. Pretty- <laughs> <laughs> what about what about you, Mr. Adam? What's going on with you this week? How you been? Well, let's see. Uh, I'm doing good. Yes. It's been incredibly hot where I've been. Mm-hmm. Um. So on Friday, I went to work and it was like 105 over where I'm at. And it was like, man, it really sucks outside. But you know where it doesn't suck? Inside where there's AC. I can't wait to just be at my desk and have AC. And at about like 11 or 12, it's like, man, it's kind of warm in here. Did somebody kick on the AC? Oh, it's broken again for like the third week in a row. Fantastic. Uh, Oh, fantastic. Uh, it's a pun. I like it because it's cold. Um, but other than that, have I been playing many games and stuff? Uh, played a bit more Overwatch. Um, I'm I'm taking some time off, and one of the things I'm going to be using for my on my time off is to get a huge chunk of Persona Five done. Oh, so boy. yes, so yes, I am using my vacation to play games. What of it? Listen, Adam. Next time, next podcast, I'm just going to be like Adam. Give me the deets. Sit me down. <laughs> How far have you gotten? <laughs> you should give him a quiz. You should give so him a quiz. There's... See oh, if yeah. he's really no, done the work. Or if he's just done a let's play. But then I could just use the then I can use the Thieves Guild and just look at the answer. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? One thing I gotta say about that game, I love that it gives you in-universe quizzes. What, and really? then it says, you know, you you could yeah, because you're a high schooler, you're you're yeah. at school, so you have to answer these quizzes. Mm. But you could just turn the thing on and then be like, I'm gonna cheat instead and just look and just see what everybody else answers so you mean like literally everyone else like every time you turn on the ability to cheat you're just like oh this one's at 98 percent. i guess they fucking cheat like everyone cheated on this yep 
Yeah. I wish I had that in school. I feel like I'd, uh, you know, get better grades. But would I have really learned something? Mm, I don't know. Cares. I don't know, man. Yeah. But Zach, Zach, did you have a week two? Is this true? Is it real? I did. I did. I I experienced the phenomenon called the week. My God, tell me all about it. I want to know. Can you show me? So at the the beginning of this week, I drove up to my brother's place up in, in Sonoma. Mm-hmm. And I am staying here until the, like, the 15th. That's true. You are on vacation. I am. I don't think I would call it... Well, it's kind of a vacation. I'm still working, so... Well, but you're in a new environment. You're in a fresh new land. Yeah, it's a whole new... It's a whole fresh new experience set. Would you say it's a whole new world? Yeah. A whole new world. Is it a dazzling place you never knew? Uh... The well, thing I mean, is... Theoretically, he's he's been there I've before. been here before, oh, yeah. I see. I see. Okay, yeah, well, no, I've... That... I've I've been to my brother's condo before, but anyway, so I'm staying here for, again, like a few weeks, um, and then I'm driving back. Uh, but on top of that, uh, I also, like, last night, I went out to this, uh, with a couple of friends of mine I have up here in this area, is we went out to a comic book store, and they have sort of like a geek trivia night, um, and uh, normally they charge you $5 admission, but I got, I got in free, so I got to sit down with these two buddies of mine, and then there's a few other people on our team. And we got to do this like team quiz event. Um, and our team name was uh, the quickening. I th- oh, the quickening happens to a lot of Highlander. That was our team name. Yo, that's a long ass <laughs> title. A lot of them are long ass titles. Okay. Okay. Like one, one of them was uh, sweating like a prostitute in church. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were some pretty excellent team names. There were five teams in total. We ended up getting in third place, and the prize for third place is you get a free comic book, which mm. is sort of a net loss if you paid the five dollar entry free. But I I got in free because it was my first time there, hmm. or right sort of my first time there. But it, it like I so I got a free comic book, so I grabbed the um, first issue of Rat Queens. And then mm. while I was there, um, a friend of mine basically sold me on this uh, image comic called uh monstrous and i bought that as well for like 10 bucks and i read through like rat queens while i was at the beach and i thought i was like oh, yeah, that's pretty good it's pretty good um mm-hmm. and i'm pretty excited to go read through monstrous so that was pretty fun dude you're gonna love monstrous monstrous is freaking phenomenal yeah that's what you <laughs> told me Zach, I, I really like that we went to the beach and instead of doing beach stuff you read a comic i did <laughs> i brought it down because i was like i know i'm not gonna stand in the water for very long so might as well have something to do. So, but in terms of video game news, uh, I have been playing a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen, and I have a very important announcement regarding Final Fantasy fourteen. Are you getting married in Final Fantasy fourteen too? <laughs> Is it actually good now? No. <laughs> um. So Final Fantasy fourteen, I yeah, no, they had a rubber born and made it a lot better. Um, Heaven's Ward was a story that bored me to tears, but it was all right. Um, like otherwise was all right. And now I'm playing Stormblood, which is fun and guys what up i made it to japan yeah I, I think you told this last time i you think i did made it to yeah but I, I got to like i got to kugane which isn't technically the japan mm-hmm. this time i got to doma which is the actual japan wait i'm con- i'm confused because i know there's a fake japan but there's also a real japan i don't what is how does that work it sounds like okay. easy with fake damage. It, it, yeah, it does. <laughs> it is a little weird. So, so you're on the western half of the of the world called Eorzea, 
Okay. And so, as part of the story, you go all the way to the opposite side of the world called Authard. And in Authard, there is Doma, which is fantasy Japan. Okay. And then there's Kugane, which is a bunch of, this is an island chain. Because, like, Doma's on the continent, and Kugane's a bunch of islands. But Doma's fantasy Japan, and Kugane's just, like, also fantasy Japan? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah. So, I got to that, um, and they are really pushing the, like, Hey, you can swim now. Yeah, like, swimming. Like I'm on the coast, and like you just swim between islands for everything. I I gotta be honest. Mm. I like that. I like MMOs that let you swim. Can you like dive underwater and like go exploring? Yeah, that's the thing. They don't let me dive. Oh, I had heard. I heard in a uh, whatever they're like. Ti- I think it's called an active time report they have for FF14 mm-hmm. that they're thinking about adding Blitzball for uh, <gasps> FF14. I was like. What? The moment they add that, I'm going to resub and be way in there. Oh my goodness. Oh man, that's going to be so cool. Your dreams will all come true. I want I want Blitzball. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants Blitzball. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Hey guys. Hey guys. Mm-hmm. Hey what? So we have this guy named Matt Brown here. And he, he agreed to talk to us about, about esports and specifically Smash Brothers this week. Whoa. Wait. Wait. But what about, what about Blitzball? Uh, Matt, do you know anything about Blitzball? Uh, I, I don't want to talk about Final Fantasy X. I, I got to the fig laughing scene and that was it for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. You know what? I feel like I was the only person that liked that scene. Like, gotta be honest. Matt, I hear there is a game you actually do like and it's called Smash Brothers. I, I think, I think that might be true. Is that, is that true? Or have you been lying to me for like five years? It, it feels more like I'm addicted to it than that I love it. Sometimes. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, Matt, let's fuel your addiction and talk about Smash. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like heroin. Like, you know, you tell yourself you're having a good time. But maybe really you just can't stop. <laughs> well, well, uh, okay, Matt, how about how about we start this? I, I We have a list of questions for you. And at the top of that list, we want to know, you, not only do you play Smash, but you play it competitively. It is something you go out to tournaments for, you have a favorite character, you have all kinds of things that you know about the game that I never will. Could you tell us how you got involved with playing it competitively, as opposed to just, like, beating your friends at home and feeling like a champ? What made you want yeah. to be a masochist and, like, go up against, like, pros and such? Yeah, so I've always been kind of competitive. Like, my whole life, uh, in, in high school, I was in a clan for, um, for Jedi Academy. I really liked Counter-Strike, and then, like, uh, towards the beginning of college, I used to play competitive StarCraft a little bit, although mm-hmm. I was terrible at it. And then I joined, uh, when StarCraft II came out, I joined uh, a league for at UCSC, just to see if I could be competitive in it. Um, okay. And I got stomped so hard, I was like, okay, you can't, like, being, a, being actually competitive <laughs> in a game is so different than just playing it and being good at it. Being competitive is a mm-hmm. whole thing. And I was like, well, okay, that was really hard and it sucked. And if I ever wanted to do this, it would pretty much have to be the only game I played. So that was like the last time I thought I'd be competitive. Because mm-hmm. um, you just, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't get to play as many games if you want to be really good at one of them. Uh, but then right, in yeah. college, I used to play Brawl a lot with, uh, with my roommate, uh, Javier. And I could always mm-hmm. beat him because um, he was like, he, he was sort of new to Smash Brothers. I've been playing it since the first one. So pretty much if you play it casually and you know how to shield and roll, you can beat basically all your friends. I mean, that's true. That's like, that's how my brother wrecked me all the time. He learned like the three, the three like different techniques of like actually being good at that game. And I just spun my sword as Link and made myself feel very sad all the time. Pretty pretty much. Um, If you can do that, everyone's like, wow, you're so good and you're not good. But if you know those things, you can beat everybody else. I always like that in fighting games, the person that knows how to block is like untouchable. You can high block and low block? 
Oh, oh, how do I defeat you? Okay, so you, you, you became, like, marginally better than everyone by learning a few basic techniques. Did you just keep learning more techniques and eventually just just like, wow, I have all of these things that I can use. Let me try it against other people? Not quite. So for a while, I, I, I stopped playing Brawl because, like, like I said back when in these days, I just sort of pick up games and I play them. And then when I'm done with them, I sort of move on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, at some point, Javier came over with this copy of, of Brawl called Project M, which is a mod for Brawl that came out a few years ago. Or actually, okay. I guess more like six or seven years ago now. And it had become really popular really quickly with the newer versions. I think it was on like 3.02 that we started. That was the version where everybody really started getting into it. And I could not okay. beat him, which was a thing for me. Because I was like, I could always beat you. And now I suck. This is the worst. <laughs> I, I was going to say, from playing with Javier, it was like, wait a minute. There was a time where Matt could beat Javi? Impossible. I just don't believe it. <laughs> Actually, even yeah. now, I think we're more evenly matched than he'll admit to. Um, and he, forget Smash 4, he wouldn't, it's, it's not even, like, I literally went over there one night, and all of them played me, I think, for six hours, and not a single one of them could beat me. <laughs> not even one game. <laughs> that was a while ago, though. They've probably improved since then, but when I first started mm-hmm. playing it, they were like, holy shit, how do you, well, how do you play this well, game? Well, he, here's a question, here's a question. How much time during the week do you actually play Smash? Like, do you practice it? Do you have, like, drills? Like, how, like what do you do to get good? Oh, yeah. So, so like, like, just to recap real fast from what I was doing, um, uh, I eventually stopped playing PM, but PM is when I started going to tournaments, uh, and I was terrible at PM. Um, okay. But I just went because Javier went, and it's still a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. When I started playing Smash 4, I decided I wanted to take it kind of seriously. Um, so, eventually, I, I, you sit down, and the first thing you do is you have to figure out, like, who you main. Um, mm-hmm. And then you really commit yourself to that character as much as you can. Uh, you might mm-hmm. occasionally pick another character, um, just to hopefully win a set because you hope to counterpick somebody. But that's generally like a short-term strategy. You really need to commit to your character. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of how much time, it actually varies a lot. I tried to like when I was writing down um, suggestions for this earlier. It was tough for me to come up with a straight estimate. Uh, the the recommended yeah. minimum is like two hours a day, um, which okay. doesn't sound like a lot, but that's two hours of committed practice, which is which is not like just sitting down and playing the game. It's like you spend at least an hour, like this is particularly important in Melee or PM, uh, just doing movement. Just moving your character in such a way that it's deliberate and that if you need to be at a certain part of the screen at a certain time, you can get there and you're not going to screw it up. So like mm-hmm. there are actual drills you're running with your character. It's not just playing against AI or anything. Yeah, and it's particularly important in Melee because movement's so crappy in Melee. Being really good at movement, you can get better much faster than than your peers if you get good at that because it, it's uh, yeah. really important. Uh, in Smash 4, less so, but you got to be able to know your bread and butters. You got to be able to do certain things called like ledge trumps. You got to be able to, like in the character that I that I main mostly now, Rosalina, uh, her recovery is kind of tricky. If you there are times when you need to go, she can she can recover directly straight up with her up B, but you have to practice that because if you screw it up, you kill yourself. Um, so it's just okay. stuff like that, like like at least an hour every day, making sure that you don't do dumb things that kill yourself <laughs> you, you kind of you kind of just don't get rusty you have you mem- uh, keep the muscle memory yeah of like it is that. not like riding a bike you will forget you have to keep doing it yeah no i, I, uh, I remember when i was really into uh, street fighter for a while it was like you'd remember how to do stuff but if you took like a week off you'd be like oh how do i do any of these combos anymore yeah yeah e- even like even even knowing in your head it's like it's not working i'm pressing the buttons it is not working well, but see, Matt, that's when I blame the controller or lag. Mm. Duh! I mean, all the pros do. That's just, you know. Uh, that's true. So, uh, just to quickly inject with a question, 
so you know you said we've been saying you play smash which one do you feel you're more competitively like in the scene for like because you've talked about project m you've talked about brawl you've talked about smash 4 smash 4 is the one that you're like this is the one i'm picking up and trying to be competitive with yeah come november i'll have played smash 4 competitively for about three years um well congratulations going to on average a tournament or two every week taking breaks like i recently i've been on sort of on hiatus since evo i've only went to one tournament after evo yeah and mm. you you main rosalina right like that that's that's your main now the I... ever popular ever loved rosalina yes <laughs> mm-hmm. i've also been playing ryu for about is a year has it been a year somewhere between eight to twelve right, months yeah. i've also picked up ryu as a secondary because ryu is also broken and everybody hates him what no 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 he's totes balance what are you talking about is he, <laughs> is he banned from any tournaments is that ever a concern for you uh in fighting games we, we can talk about fighting game mentality later but in in general it, it has to be in a, a very extreme situation for a character to be banned yeah okay mm-hmm. what do you mean by fighting game mentality like our next question here is what are some challenges you have like in a competitive scene versus with friends and it sounds like that might be like a big issue for you like like the mindset of your your opponents i guess yeah, there's a whole rude article you can read i forget what it's called it's something like uh the scrub mentality or something tell me about that what is that it's a very common even if you never read the article the attitude is very common in the competitive community and it's mm-hmm. half really correct and important and half kind of stupid but the general idea is this. When you're playing a game competitively, um, you're fully committed to the idea that the systems in the game are are law. And okay. to, to whatever extent possible, you are in control of whatever happens next. And you're responsible for winning at any cost. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. So like, mm-hmm. here's like an example. Okay, If you ever played Goldeneye um, as a kid, right? Someone might be like, we, like, we had a house rule that was like, if you didn't have a gun, you weren't allowed to shoot me. Like, I have to get a gun first because that's not fair. You know, you can't mm-hmm. spawn camp. You can't, like, pick odd job and be a jerk. <laughs> like, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, these say, things like... That, there's this thing that we call, like, like a scrub mentality. The idea that, like, you have to limit parts of the game that are too powerful because otherwise the best player will, will always win. So the mm-hmm. idea of an... The idea of, like, an overbalanced or overpowered character doesn't... Because, like, odd job was supposed to be OP. Yeah, he, he he probably would be banned in, in GoldenEye tournaments if there ever were. In, any. in okay. GoldenEye, uh, for Oddjob's like argument, he actually was kind of OP because he is. All the other characters are the same height, so because the aiming was kind of jank, you could relatively aim in the same spot. Mm-hmm. Oddjob is half the height, so you actually had to like figure out the like how to aim down and pop him. Oh. I mean, he yeah. he also had the insta kill bowler hat. Well, as, as a Sega yeah. Dreamcast person, I never had to deal with that. That, that. that is a good example of of when things will be banned in the competitive community. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally, the rule is if something is so powerful that essentially the only counter to it is itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then if it limits competitive play to a point where like the strategies are no longer interesting, that's when something mm-hmm. might warrant a ban. A lot of communities, for instance, in the old days in like Street Fighter 2 would ban Akuma because Akuma was yeah. the best character. There wasn't like a oh, he's kind of better than this guy. Like, he was he's at least two tiers above every other character to the point where if you picked Akuma, really, it's not that you were going to lose for sure, kind of like picking Oddjob and Goldeneye, but, like, you were at such a disadvantage that the only reasonable response was to pick Akuma as well. 
Yeah. Uh, I see. Were there any uh, band characters in Smash? Just since we're talking about band characters. The only one I can think of was maybe... I, I remember hearing Meta Knight being banned yeah, so there was in one Brawl. time in history, and this is a good example of why bands don't typically happen. There's one time in history, mm-hmm. in Smash history, when a character was banned, and it was Meta Knight in Brawl. A Meta Knight okay. in Brawl is not only the best character in Brawl by a mile... He might be the best character in any Smash game by a mile. Uh, he was... I could sit here and literally talk for an hour about how preposterous he was. Just just sum it up. Sum it up and, you know. Let's say he's twice know. as fast. Twice as, mm-hmm. Even though he's supposed to be easy to kill, he's twice as hard to kill. And he, he mm-hmm. has a sword that has a property which, which is called intangible. Um, which Rosalina also has, I can talk about later. But the basic idea is that in Smash, if two moves hit each other, and they do what's called a clank, which means they kind of cancel each other out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meta Knight's sword does not clank. It, if you get hit by Meta Knight's sword, you are hit by Meta Knight's sword, and he does not care. Um, so he, he could just kind of throw out moves, and he would just always win. You can think of it, I think the, the casual term for it's like priority. Meta Knight always has oh, priority. Okay. So if Meta yeah. Knight hits... Well, it, it sounds like his his moves don't clash. Like a lot of fighting games, uh, one I can think of right now is like Blaze Blue or Guilty Gear. If two moves have the same priority and hit at the same time, they'll clash. And you'll kind of bounce back or just nothing happens. You go back to the neutral state. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Meta Knight would just... No, he always has priority. You're just going to be able to throw whatever move out. Yeah, he was he was preposterous. Um, and so there was a while where, because uh, if you look at... There's, there's like usage records and stats for Smash. Um, so like in mm-hmm. Smash 4, um, generally, I think the, the most used character, I forget who it is, but there's probably like around 6% of players will use that character. And then it's mm-hmm. a declining order from there. So, like, the next best character is, like, 5%, maybe a couple more 5%, and then, like, a 4%. So, like, there's a mm-hmm. pretty good character representation in Smash. Top 8 at EVO this year, there was 8 unique characters. Nobody played the same character. Wow. That was really cool yeah. to watch. Like... In, Meta- in Brawl, 50% of players played Meta Knight. Uh, uh, because you would really be an cool idiot to not to play Meta Knight, because Meta Knight was that good. Yeah. Question, he got banned... Uh, was there fallout from that? Was it oh, yeah, bad because that he then, was banned? Because imagine, like, if you're a Mennonite player, I mean, he takes skill to play. He's not easy to play. Mm-hmm. He just is unquestionably okay. the best, kind of like Fox in Melee, although he's not nearly as... Fox in Melee is much more reasonable than than than, than Mennonite is yeah. in Brawl. Um, but imagine, like, you don't, you're not allowed to play your own character anymore. So, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to pick up a new character? Or you're just going to go to a tournament that lets you play Mennonite? And that's what happened, yeah. is that over time, nobody... Any of the tournaments that banned... Meta Knight, no one would go to them, so they just had to rescind the rule. So, but then what happens? Like the so the so the characters that ban Meta Knight, just people stopped going because they want to play their character. But then you have the problem of, hey, this tournament didn't ban Meta Knight, so now everybody's playing Meta Knight. So it, it kind of loops back to that what you're talking that article about the scrub mentality of if you want to win, you have to play Meta Knight, kind of deal or something to kind of get around it yeah so, so it like. um, and although mm-hmm. Benedict didn't always win he was just he was just the most popular character because he was so damn good so like yeah. how about this like verse the scrub mentality i assume that's something that a good chunk of the competitive scene subscribes to in every game not just not just smash and not just fighting yeah. games yeah yeah our term for it is no johns the idea that there's no excuses for losing if you have yeah. if you are in control if you had a path to victory and you didn't take it that's your fault Okay, Here, I got I got an example for Drew that applies to me. You know when we would play Marvel three, mm-hmm. and one of us would just start shit like like shooting projectiles all day. Yeah, and you'd be like, stop, stop doing that. Stop doing Iron Man's like full screen projectile. Like, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, the scrub mentality says that's not fair. The the competitors mentality says you have so, you were able to pick something that could have countered this. 
banning characters is that something that's actually looked down upon like heavily 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 it pretty much never happens okay and it's, it's specifically because people tend to subscribe to like no this is built in we play around what's here it, it would be like saying and this actually has happened in the past like in basketball for a while they banned the slam dunk because it was considered unfair you didn't shoot the ball so you shouldn't be able to get a point if you didn't shoot the ball uh, and it, it cheapened the game. It made the game less interesting because when you when you allow anything within the rules to be allowed, when you don't just arbitrarily limit the game, like it's one thing if you're cheating, but if you're not cheating uh, and you arbitrarily limit the rules, of the game, you make the game less interesting. You're not you're not allowing counterplay. You're not allowing the meta to develop. You're not allowing mm-hmm. what's interesting. I would say this to sum up this section: like the biggest difference between casual play and competitive play. Is in casual play, you're just playing for the experience, for you know, for the sheer joy of it, just to see interesting and fun things happen when you press buttons. At a competitive level, it's two minds doing everything they possibly can to beat each other. Um, and mm-hmm. once once you've gotten really good at the game, if the game is any good and has a lot of depth, the the craziness of those interactions is an experience you just cannot replicate playing casually. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a struggle yeah. for, for casual players because they'll be like, that's so unfair, you can't do that. And the competitive attitude is like, you have the same tools as me. Why can't you beat this? It's so easy. You have to just do this or you have to plan around it or you have to do something yeah. different. And mm-hmm. um, once two players have that attitude and they really commit to being good, some, you get some crazy interactions between them. Okay. Uh, it's a feeling I've experienced a couple times um, in tournament. I've, I've never won a, a serious tournament, but I've gotten second at a small one. And I won what was called a resurrection bracket, which is like um, anybody that oh, did, you reset and anybody that didn't do well in the tournament has like a little what's called an amateur bracket um, where they all play. Mm-hmm. And I beat everybody in the amateur bracket and, and beat that one. I see. And, and when you're sitting there like in grand finals and you've been playing for a while and you're a little bit tired and you're about to lose or you're about to win and ev- all the heat is on, everyone's looking at you and cheering at you or booing at you. You need, you need to scrape together all of your skill and all of your tricks to pull mm-hmm. out a win. Um, there's no feeling like that. It's it's almost like actually stressful. You become addicted to that that sensation. It's it's almost like being in a in a fighter or or something like that, where it's just it's all up to you and you have to rely on your own skill. And there's nothing quite like it. Has every tournament given you that feeling? Oh no, typically typically you get crushed badly. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. So it's like either that... like a euphoric, intense experience, or like a ah fuck it situation. Well, typically, like the thing that's that's brutal about competitive play is, is like i said based on the attitude it's all up to you to win or lose mm-hmm. so when you lose it's completely your fault um yeah. but it may not be immediately obvious as to why or mm-hmm. it is immediately obvious as to why and that realization is crushing when you're like oh my god i just like i'm bad and i didn't yeah i didn't practice x mm-hmm. y and z he was using this really stupid trick that i could have beaten but i was panicking and didn't think around it or i had the entire thing in my pocket and i choked and got nervous, and then all of it slipped away from me. Mm-hmm. It's pretty hard. Yeah, <laughs> nerve nerves definitely play like a big factor in tournaments. Like I, I've watched, I haven't gone to any tournaments, but I like watching a lot of the, uh, especially like Evo and stuff. And one thing I remember is like uh, this year at Grand Finals for uh, Street Fighter, they had Punk versus Tokido, and Punk had just been doing a huge run through every, like through everybody. He was just doing fantastic. And as soon as he got to Grand Finals, he just kind of stopped, and it, like it, you could really feel like. This guy had just shown up for like his first like major tournament. You mm-hmm. could like tell his nerves were just like like were preventing him from like thinking a situation out versus like Tokido who has tons of experience and can just like he keeps his head so cool the entire time. I've heard mm-hmm. the pro players call it um 
playing not to lose versus playing to win. And when you're playing not uh-huh. to lose, you're panicking and you're like, okay, I just need to not get hit by this. I just need to, I need to get back. I need to get out of the corner. I need to, I need to be back in the center. I need to get back on stage. You know, it's just all the mentality of like, don't do this, don't do that. And then playing to win is the opposite. Playing to win is like, here is my game plan. I'm going to force him to do these things and he's going to get hit by all of it because I already know what's going to happen. So is it kind of like playing defensively versus playing offensively? Like no, because your your game plan might in fact be extremely defensive. Um, and the other player might not like sitting there and spamming fireballs is ridiculously defensive. You're just you're literally not doing anything. You're just doing the same input over and over again. But if the other person doesn't know how to beat it, then there was they lose. There was <laughs> and they're panicking. Yeah, oh, I need to jump now. I jumped and I got I got sure you getting or like in Smash you can you know now I jump and I got that, Tomahawk yeah. that I'm off stage and. Okay, so maybe like reactive versus like uh, I guess like what's the word active? Active versus reactive? Is that a better way to sum up what you're talking about? <sighs> not not quite. It's a little more. It's hard to explain if you've never been there. Hmm. It, it kind of sounds like you have to have a game plan going in, and you just have to be committed to. I want. I have this option. I want the the match to go this way, as opposed to if he does this. It's it almost sounds like Matt from what you're saying. If you think about it too much, you're gonna make a mistake. Versus go in with like this game plan. And just like focus down, like do this kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain. You've never been in that in that situation, but yeah. like uh, what I was gonna say about a, a defensive game plan. There was, uh, and Street Fighter is the one that I, I've like followed the most as competitive. Uh, there was one match in Grand Finals, or I'm sorry, uh, I think it was like semifinals, where somebody picked Elena, who has a healing ability, and all they did with her was uh, was just go take a few hits to charge up meter, run away, heal it, and that's. And, like, that's your defensive game plan versus, like, oh, I'm going to, like, go combo them to death. Kind of oh, way. right, right. I remember you showed me that video. That was that was really interesting to watch. That just going just for the like... timeout, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, right, like, timeout. it was terrible to watch. Like, watching, it's, yeah. like, it's not exciting. But you're, like, watching this person, like, no, this person knows exactly what they're doing. Because right. they would just, like, they'd get a couple hits to get just enough meter, run away, heal it back, and then come back to build up meter again. It's interesting because, like, I... I don't I don't play games competitively, but like what you're talking about kind of sounds like almost like a mentality towards like your day or towards life or something like, you know, it, it just seems like going in with a game plan for like anything seems like advantageous versus like trying to like just survive. Right. And like, mm, th- that's what mm. I'm taking away from this. It's just like you have people going in who are just like, eh, whatever happens, I'm going to deal with it versus like, this is my fucking jam. This is my goal. And I don't know. That's that's actually really I didn't know you got into that headspace just playing just playing competitively. It's that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's really intense and it's hard to describe if you've never played that way. But it when, when you're really in the zone, um, it's sort of like fighting games in general, whether it's Smash or, or Street Fighter or any of them, what they all tend to have in common is there's sort of like a combination between like a rhythm game and and uh, like rock paper scissors, but like a much more no, I can see instead that. of a rock paper scissors with like three things, there's like eight things, and they mm-hmm. change depending on what's happening. So like maybe rock beats scissors in this situation, but it's the other way around in another situation. Yeah. Um. And so it becomes like when you're really on on somebody in rock paper scissors, you know what they're gonna play before they even play it. And you can get them you know, like That's five, the, uh... six, seven times in a row every single time. You know they're gonna play, um, uh-huh. and that other, that other person is just panicking and just picking whatever they want. They're like, "Oh, I just pick this. I'll pick that. I don't want them to beat me with this." Um, and I, I think that's the best way to describe it if you've never played a fighting game. Is that it's uh-huh. like all of a sudden you're in somebody's head and you have a plan. You know exactly what you need to do to beat them. You're like, "Okay, well, I picked rocks, so they're gonna do this thing next, and then they're gonna pick scissors because they're panicked and they don't want to get hit by the same thing again." 
It's, it's all these yeah. little mini reads. And I assume that that's how you play. Like, you're just going off of, this isn't just, like, a general, like, this is how you do it. Like, this is your experience as well. Like oh, every, Everybody's experience. They all do this, yeah. Every competitive game, whether it's StarCraft or, or um, Street Fighter or Smash, they all have this element to them. Nice. Well, Matt, speaking of experiences, and you kind of covered this a little already, our next question was, what was your experience like going to a tournament? And it's at, you've kind of told us what your experience was like going and actually playing in the matches. Uh, I, and you can elaborate on that bit more if you want. Uh, but also, what was your experience like just like being at the tournament kind of deal? So I got a love-hate relationship with tournaments um, oh. on many, many levels. So the first thing is that oh, uh, luckily tournament qualities improved substantially. But back in the in the bad old days, it, it meant going into a really hot room with a bunch of smelly nerds and then <laughs> Jesus! playing maybe a couple games over the course of like six hours. <laughs> Anyone else will tell you this too. It's true. Like, and then maybe playing one or two games over the course of like six hours um, okay. while, while you just mm-hmm. wait your turn because the TO suck. And I, I have all kinds of horror stories. Well, tell us, tell us at least one horror story. Like horror stories are fun. Javier can, can tell you this story too. In, in, okay. In the early days of PM, um, a bunch of employees at Google wanted to run a tournament. It was called Smash at Google. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, I think you told me this one before, yeah. Yeah, and they just were... They'd never TO'd before, and they have that uh, that Google arrogance, like, we're engineers, we can figure this out and do it better than the people who do it can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they couldn't. They didn't have enough TVs. And there was security in Google's building, so you had to be escorted in and out of the venue or to the bathroom, like... Wow. That is is strange. There was an amateur bracket and a pro bracket, and, like, it ended up taking... There were probably maybe a hundred entrants, maybe less. Mm -hmm. And I think it started around noon and didn't end until maybe 2 a.m., which is... Which is preposterous. They were just not doing their jobs well. Because you can run through that kind of tournament in four hours if you know what you're doing. Okay. I vaguely remember, Matt... Me, like meeting up with you shortly after the smash it google tournament and i remember asking matt how did the tournament go and it felt like just a wave of anger like a tsunami <laughs> washed over me oh, and i was powerless to stop it because it was like i didn't know what floodgate i opened someone stop him it, it was the worst <laughs> tournament i've ever been to it was real bad so that's like the bad end of things on, on the good end of things if you're going to like mm-hmm. i think maybe genesis 3 was the best tournament I ever went to. It was great. There's just lots of open setups to play. So many cool people to meet. You're there with all your friends. There'll be like nice little merch booths. Like I have so many of these little charm things that I love to buy. I have like, if you remember, I've ever shown you my controller. I have like oh, 14 right. little plastic charms hanging off of my controller just because I love to collect them when I go. Um, and then Aww. it's a good experience because you're playing some of the best players in the world or even people around your skill level and then watching some mm-hmm. of the best sets ever. Uh, so tournaments are great in that sense because they're, it's not just about playing a game it's about seeing what the game has to offer seeing things about the oh. game you didn't even know were possible oh hmm. i feel like one of the best things about tournaments is that you know not only are you just like in the culture in the community but when you play these people they're also all there with the competitive mindset it's not just running casual yeah even when you're playing like, friendlies it can get pretty competitive you're around yeah. your, your brothers in arms as it were yeah and and you're all struggling for the same goal and you all have the same you know and it becomes weird because there's for like one of the first times in your life there's like a really strict hierarchy because it's very obvious who's better than whom. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt is always number one. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a weird feeling because you like sit down with someone who's like 15 
he's giving you like sagely advice on how to not suck <laughs> as if he you know were 30 years older than you and it's good advice right it's helpful yeah people i mean depending on certain scenes are saltier than others i mean i i'm i'm imagining like yoda like you talking to like a little yoda except it's like a you know like a 15 year old kid who's just like speaking backwards and in riddles and it's just like yes of course <laughs> how did i not see my eyes have been opened <laughs> you have gained insight congrats let me ask you something, Matt. You know, going to competitive tournaments, uh, you, you meet, like, people from all walks of life. I get the sense that, like, going to a tournament and, like, having to, like, take that advice from, like, everybody is kind of, like, makes you kind of, like, a... I feel like it would make you more humble kind of thing of, like, oh, I have to... I have so much to learn and, like, just pull in from everybody. But it always seems like the misconception is, like, man, everybody's just being hella salt there. There, There mm-hmm. is a lot of salt, and it's hard to, to explain this if you've never been to a competitive event, but... You can't not get salty because, I mean, some people are well, chill when they play the game because uh, it's just a game, but mm-hmm. it's, like, when it's what you do, when you try to win, and you, re- like, people who either don't get salty are either just naturally good, and so they never had to experience this, or mm-hmm. they aren't good at all, and they don't care at all, but if you really want to win, if you really try, and you did everything you could, and you still get fucked up, that is mm-hmm. such a hard feeling to describe. Particularly if you felt like you lost to something that you really shouldn't have lost to. It's it's physically painful to go to a tournament and to, like, be doing really well. And then, like, some guy who, like, was barely trying did something really stupid and destroyed you. Uh, I, it's just, it's the hardest feeling. And it's something that's hard to describe if you've never been there. But when you really put your all into something and it still doesn't work, uh, it's just not an easy thing to get over. Um, and people are generally pretty cool about it, but... Depending on how badly they lost and whether or not they thought they should have lost, it can get into a pretty ugly situation. Um, gotcha. Yeah. 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 So uh, I guess we'll move on to the next question. Uh, you know, you've said you've been to these tournaments and stuff for like the past three years or so, uh, competing in Smash. Uh, since you've been in the competitive scene for a while, how has the Smash scene like changed? <laughs> so when I, when I first started, uh, the competitive scene uh, was was very small, um, and Brawl was on its way out. Uh, its last tournament, I think, was Apex 2013, which is actually probably one of the best or one of the better Brawl tournaments ever. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it was dying for a long time. Melee was more popular because there's more depth to it as a competitive game. Um, okay. It's more technical as opposed to Brawl, which is much more about game knowledge and, and reads and stuff like that, which means it was sort of inconsistent and sort of weird. And the oh. best characters were just so much better. So it was sort of dying. Um, and then right around... Uh, well, that's the one that has Meta Knight, right? Yeah, that's Meta Knight. And then okay. Melee was sort of on its way out just because it was so old. It was, you know, it came out in 2001. People just, so they just wanted to play something new. Um, mm-hmm. So when Project M started to get really popular, all the old Brawl players and all the old Melee players were suddenly playing the same game. Uh, so oh, it started to right. blow up real fast. Cause you, could, you could see how competitive the game could be. Matt, hold here. Project M, it's um, because I know I've seen you play it. It's 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 a mod, right? But it's it's tries to take the best of both and slap them together, and then it has some custom stuff thrown in. That's the probably the easiest way to describe it. It it, it introduces melee mechanics into Brawl and attempts to rebalance the game, uh, such okay. that it's every character is viable. Now it doesn't succeed in that, but that mission people were really into that. Okay. But shortly after the release of PM, there, there was this thing released called the Smash Brothers documentary. Um which was basically just a documentary of the history of Melee up until, like, okay. mm-hmm. 2012-ish. Um, and that exploded. If you go on YouTube, it has, like, you know, probably a couple million views, maybe something like that combined. Oh, so a lot of fresh blood started pouring into the scene because 
of how popular uh, that one was. So social media progression and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I do play Melee as well, but not nearly as much. Uh, so then, when when the scene was up then, Melee was pretty well established. Um, it's, it's meta has mm. only really, uh, like, what's the term? It's gotten more extreme. Like Fox's biz. People figure out ways to be better with Fox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Matt, you know, you were, you were talking about, like, the about how the scene has changed. Um, I know one of the things we've talked about in this podcast, I know Zach's brought this up many times, is, like, the meta of the game. Right, yeah, uh, no, that was the thing I brought up, is, is, is uh, so, so, you, you've talked about how, like, the demographics and what games people have changed, but I'm, I guess I'm a little more curious as to, like, I, let's say, for example, with, with, uh, with Smash 4, like, how has the, like, internal meta for the game changed over time has have like different sort of like has there been like a rosalina metal followed by a, a like massively a link and, and of course the game's been patched this whole time as well patches ceased uh basically like i want to say like in march when the game first came out it was like borderline busted uh came out for 3ds there were all these weird glitches like um yoshi could teleport if he threw yeah, his eggs boy. a certain way, there was so much weird crap. Uh, everyone thought that Bowser was the best character because no one knew what the hell they were talking about yet. Um, and people, but people discovered very quickly that Diddy Kong was preposterous. Um, he just didn't have to try very hard to beat you. He had this famous combo called the hoo-ha where he just grabs you and either down throw <laughs> or up through you. And uh, he the dreaded you maybe like 90 off a grab. And if you've ever played Diddy Kong... Uh, or yep. Diddy Kong player recently, it's really not hard for him to get a grab. It's pretty easy. He's fast, and he can confirm a grab out of a banana. You know what? Out of context, that sentence makes absolutely no sense. You can confirm a grab out of a banana, but here, I'm gonna allow it. Well, welcome to Smash, dude. <laughs> if we start getting into terminology, there's some fun terminology. Uh, the, the, one, the one Smash terminology I know is uh, hand warmers for when you get your hands ready to what, play a match. what is a I what what so this is mainly more of a thing in melee but before they play melee is a very intensive game on your hands you have to make a lot of inputs very very quickly like almost like competitive starcraft where people guys will click around really really fast it's like okay. that except instead of clicking each individual input is very different and done to accomplish a different thing so you if okay. you just like play cold and just start playing immediately your skill is significantly diminished. You need a little time to warm up. So it's like actually doing exercises with your fingers and dexterity. Well, it's and just it's just making sure. It's also sometimes called a button check. You just go into a stage and you make sure you can do all your things and your controller's not being screwy. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're stretching. Right. You're doing your yoga. Your 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 smash yoga. Yeah. Oh okay. boy. <laughs> we we can get into funny terminology like in Smash. Too. There's so much funny terminology. Ooh, tell so, me one funny terminology. I want to know one funny well, terminology. In uh in 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 Smash Four, there's a famous combo called the Ding Dong. Which is where <laughs> what, Donkey what's Kong, a ding dong, Matt? What's he a ding grabs dong? you, and he puts you on his back, and he jumps up, mm-hmm. and he tosses you up in the air, because Donkey Kong can carry you and then throw you, no matter where he is. Okay. And then, after tossing you up, he double jumps, and then up airs and hits you with his head. Um, oh, no. And that will kill you, like, as early as, like, 60 or 70%. Wow. Off, oh off a grab, and you can't get out of it. Get the, get the ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question, Matt, and I, I think we might have talked about this in the past, but Smash is a goofy game. It's made by Nintendo. Nintendo typically doesn't want... I, I think there was a time when like they were very against the idea of even having a oh, competitive they scene. They hate Smash. They hate competitive oh, okay. Smash. They hate Smash. They hate Smashers. Uh, Brawl was deliberately anti-competitive. They put elements into the game specifically 
so that you could not try to do the competitive things you could do in previous games. It didn't work. Mm. Brawl was still very competitive. This is a mistake. A lot of the scene thinks they think that Brawl was, like, for babies. And it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Brawl was insane. It was absolutely nuts. It was very difficult to play competitively. Mm. But there's no denying that, that, that Nintendo really does not like Smash. And they tried to ban it for a while. The reason Project M is dead is because they hit us they hit them with a cease and desist and that's like advertising for them too that's kind of weird so so then mm. uh, here's this how how then do you even have a competitive scene with a game that the creators have explicitly told you don't do it we don't want you to even do it like how does it continue to thrive like smash seems to be growing as far as shrinking as far as i can tell and it doesn't seem like it's going to go away despite the fact that nintendo don't want you there it might we'll see what happens in the future but right now it's pretty strong yeah um, so the, the mm-hmm. thing is, uh, the guy who who um, invented Smash, Masahiro Sakurai, he um, mm-hmm. he actually was a big Street Fighter player. He was a, he was a good competitive Street Fighter Two player, and mm-hmm. in, in in interviews he's talked about this a lot. Like it was really hard for him to go to tournaments because, and I, anyone who's been to tournaments too can experience this. Like when you mm-hmm. play someone who's not very good, uh, or just like just learning the competitive scene, mm-hmm. you don't just beat them; you destroy them. Like. Mm-hmm. it's actually demoralizing to the point where people like understandably get like physically upset because they literally could not touch you everything they tried to do did not work and mm-hmm. sakurai said that, like for him that was just the worst feeling in the world he hated that that someone could just sit down and get so good at a fighting game that they would destroy anybody that tried to play so he wanted to make a fighting game that essentially anybody could be good at and and anybody could win and when the best mm-hmm. player wouldn't always win um the problem is that once you remove the randomized items in smash once you remove all the elements that um that are out of outside of a player's control like stage hazards and random pokemon showing up on screen and all that garbage um mm-hmm. it really does because like, people started to realize like well not only can you be good at this game you can be really good at this game you mm-hmm. can play this game to an extent particularly melee when people started figuring this out that the other person doesn't even really stand a chance Hmm. Um, yeah I, I remember the first time i played somebody who actually knew how to uh wave dash was like wow okay just, just i'm kind of just done playing this game for a little bit and wave dashing hmm. is actually pretty um it's not even that advanced of a technique like when people really start to understand how to play melee in a crazy way um it, it gets to the point where other players don't cannot beat you like for instance the best player hmm. in, in melee right now armada <laughs> you could probably count on one hand the number of times he's lost this year wait who is mata i don't oh, no, Ar- like, yeah. armada that's his that's his tag but, but, oh okay okay i thought you meant like an actual he's a, he's a smash player yeah okay. whereas in, in okay. smash 4 uh the game is still they tried to do sort of a, a halfway point between smash 4 and i don't think it really worked out brawl mm-hmm. i think is the best casual game although it's also pretty good competitively and then melee is mm-hmm. arguably the best competitive one although it's pretty broken uh so in smash 4 they're that's like good. let's make a balanced game that's kind of competitive and kind of casual and I think they alienated yeah, yeah. both communities. Uh, but it's still a really interesting game. It struggles from the fact that it has all these competitive elements laced in with elements that just are insane. Like, <laughs> um, Is that for Smash 4? Yeah. Uh, there were so many characters in Smash 4 who just... Like, they have moves that are like, why Why does it do that? That's insane! <laughs> like, the well, other like, day I, I watched remember... a competitive tournament... Um, like if I remember, like Cloud is super broken right now, right? Oh yeah, like, well, they I, mean, I didn't even gotten to the DLC yet before. So after the, all the patches, <laughs> the game was pretty balanced. But when the DLC came out, all of the DLC, starting with like they started off kind of bad. Uh, the first mm-hmm. DLC characters were Mewtwo and Roy and Lucas, and they're they're all sort of not whatever that great. At first. Um, but then 
came Ryu and Cloud and Bayonetta and Corrin. And when they first came out, they were preposterous. Uh, Cloud, of course, I think is like the second best character. His limit break is really, really good. He's just really solid all around. It's hard to describe Mm -hmm. how he's good, but he basically invalidates a good portion of the cast because they can't touch him because he's fast and he has a sword, which is too good of a combination. Bayonetta is the only character who pretty much no matter what the situation... When she first came out, literally any percent that you were at, you were in danger of dying at any time. Because she had that... The, she wow. had the up B combo, right? You could like you uh, yeah, kick. Yeah, I, I used up, to be able like, to do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's been patched since, but I it was such an mm-hmm. easy combo. I mean, it was you had to practice it, but once you practiced it, it was more or less inescapable, and you could die at literally any percent. Ooh, that sounds like an unbalanced character. Yeah, she was really people talk about banning her for a while. She has since been nerfed. She's still the best character in the game. I remember reading the patch note when uh, she got kind of neutered a bit, and it was like, wow, that's a. Uh, yeah, they made it, Those are some big changes. They made everything worse because... And if you play her too, if, if you start to play her really and get serious about her, it's not even funny. You're like, oh my god, this character is so much better than... Uh, Matt, one question I had that kind of follows up on, you know, this change of the mash, uh, Smash scene is, you know, for Smash 64, Melee, and Brawl, uh, those games didn't have the patch. They don't have patches. Those ones were never patched... Um, like Smash 4 has. And since we were talking about how the meta has changed and how the scene has changed, uh, do you think like having those incremental patches in Smash 4 really helped that scene? Like, oh, it, helped, it helped a lot. Guide it? Or... The game would be dead right now if it did not have DLC and patches. I can really? That. Yeah. Because you just said the DLC kind of broke the game for a little bit. Well, it did. I think that when, they, when the game had been out for a while and they realized how the competitive scene was developing, I think that the developers were kind of like, you know what? Just let's just make cool characters, and who cares if they're too good? Like, <laughs> I think that became their attitude. Um, because there was a story really I good. heard about uh, Sakurai went to his first Smash Four tournament because mm-hmm. you know he was making this this game to like you know he doesn't really he, want this he to hates be hyper competitive. Yeah, but he went to one, and he I remember a story where he saw all of the crazy stuff that Zero Suit Samus could do. And they brought him up on stage and were like, Sakurai, thanks for this game. Did, did you have anything you wanted to say about this? And he, one of his responses was, wow, I didn't know she could do all of that. And like the next patch, you saw her like get like demolished a little bit. Actually, it was, it was Meta Knight who was really nerfed because he has this combo where he can up air you five times and then finish off with his up B, which is called shuttle loop. It's called a shuttle loop combo. Mm-hmm. And you're just, it's inescapable and you're dead at like 50%, something like that. Can he still do that? Uh, well, they nerfed it really hard, so he can basically do it to almost nobody in the game now, except for the floaty characters. So, like, for instance, Rosalina has like a 7 3 matchup against Meta Knight because you could literally die at zero to that combo. Wow, get Ooh. fucked. That's one of her very few actual bad matchups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just because okay. of that, if it wasn't for that, it wouldn't be that bad. But yeah, uh, the game has been kept alive a lot by patches because when it first came out, it just, it's just not, it wasn't as interesting without the DLC, without the patches. And now it's much more interesting. Um, But as Melee proves, and Melee actually does have a patch. It has two versions. It has PAL and NTSC, uh, like 1.0 and Uh, Mm 1.1. Because when they released it in Europe, um, they realized like, oh my God, like Fox is is stupid. Like this character is dumb. Like, (laughs) why did we make him like this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, so they nerfed a lot of stuff in 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 that version of the game marth for instance famously has a his dare is what's called a spike as opposed to a meteor smash a, a spike a meteor smash can be what's called meteor canceled in melee which means like if you get knocked down and you immediately jump then you won't go nearly as far as you normally would 
mm-hmm. but Marth doesn't have that property. If Marth hits you with his spike, you are going down, and there's not shit you can do about it. You're basically dead <laughs> at almost any percent. That actually reminds me a lot of um, the modern scene of Magic the Gathering, um, where there's just, like, so many different decks that you, you need to have answers for, like, you need to have very general style answers or else yeah, you just you need can't to have answers for everything. stuff you've never seen before. Or you won't be able to adapt in time. Hmm. Well, that seems kind of hard, like, because then you can't do, like, specialized stuff because you need to be, like, able to counter a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, and it makes the game less consistent because the skill gap is lesser in, in Smash 4. It means that sometimes top players will have a hard time beating everybody. So they can beat most players, but they can't beat everybody because there's one stupid new thing they haven't thought about yet. And all of a sudden, they get caught so, with it. Like, Ally, that, for instance, is one of the top five players in Smash 4. And I think he mm-hmm. got, like, 50th at EVO. So let me ask you a question, Matt. Are you trying to tell me that Smash players hate this one weird trick? Armada hates it? <laughs> Pretty much. No, I, I do have to say the other thing, though, is that 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 kind of meta is actually one of the healthiest places a, uh, a meta for a game can be, as far as I know. Right? Yes and no, because it means that the game is more interesting for spectators. This is a problem Street Fighter V has, too. Street Fighter V. Luckily, EVO this year was, was better, but um, mm-hmm. has a similar problem where it's harder for the top players to stay on top. Not because they're not better, but because it's hard to be as good in Street Fighter V as you could in 4 or as you could in... Um, other games because mm-hmm. even though there's a lot of competitive depth there's also a lot of strategies which are really good and hard to counter and not that hard to yeah. learn so a really advanced complicated strategy might only be like 10 or 15 percent better than a pretty basic one yeah mm-hmm. so like someone's having a bad day they'll just get their butt kicked for no reason which occasionally happens in smash 4 too whereas in melee you will never beat armada no one, no one well, does. With, it doesn't happen. Not with that attitude, you won't. I mean, a lot of people have tried, um, and they just don't. Uh, the, there's something in, in Smash called the the Five Gods, um, who are so good at the game that basically only the the next five down can beat them for the most part. I know Street Fighter has its god like level players and smash i know definitely has yeah it has its like five gods it just kind of seems like if you go into a tournament knowing you're gonna like face up that it's like what's kind of the point on like on like smash you know it's gonna be these five players in the top eight like like, versus like street fighter it's like hey it could be that random kid that just happens to be really good with this character like i guess that's for me like again this is just as me as a spectator but it is fun to see like wow that strategy came out of nowhere but I understand your your point of like as a competitor, it can be really difficult because this strategy came out of nowhere. Why would I ever think to like be prepped for this kind of deal? Hey Matt, I had a question for you. Uh, what, what games do you feel are best suited to a competitive scene? Uh, like what games are like you know? Hey, this is perfect to have a competitive market, a competitive group of people playing it. So so this is the real difficulty in when you're doing competitive stuff like this, and it's a good example of like Smash Four versus Melee. Um, mm-hmm. So when you're making competitors are ironically maybe the worst people in the world to design competitive systems because competitors have this hard as nails attitude where they're like no excuses it doesn't matter what's in the game only if I can manipulate it in a way that can help me win. Um, but that's not good for growing an audience. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, because like this is a problem with melee for a long time was that the best players are so good. It's almost discouraging, because why even try? You're never going to beat them. And in fact, it's not just a problem for the top players. Even, like, newer people who are... I think 
there's a, in in this in the melee scene they have something called the dock kids like kids who came in from the documentary um and of the players who came in as dock kids i think there's one who's in the top 100 right now huh so oh it's not a term of endearment is what you're saying this is not a good thing to be a dock kid yeah it's generally considered an insult um and okay. it's hard for them to catch up because melee has been developed to the point where it's <laughs> just like even the advanced techniques which really help you get good at this game and there's a lot of good dot kid players like don't get me wrong like there's plenty of players who are new to the game who are excellent but they're not mm -hmm. top 100 excellent because you just mm -hmm. it's so hard to beat because people have been playing for so long um so that's what i would call like a a game with a lot of competitive depth and it's hard to maintain audience interest in a game with a lot of competitive depth because they feel like they can't get into it it's too difficult to understand it's too difficult to play um and it sets like a good example of this is like chess you know mm -hmm. like people mm -hmm. don't play chess because you could be really dang good at chess um to the point where uh some of the grandmasters of the game uh, like recently there was some upstart kid who i think maybe he's like 30 now but when he was 20 he played like 10 chess games simultaneously against like pretty good chess players not like grandmasters but pretty good chess players and he wasn't even looking at the board any of the boards he had his back turned and looked at a wall the whole time played 10 consecutive chess games like all at the same time simultaneous chess games beat all 10 people um hmm. that's <laughs> that's insane yeah but that's how good you can be at chess and it literally takes years and years and years of understanding before you can start to develop your own style because that's how established mm. the game is and as a result okay. chess is i mean it has like a good niche following don't get me wrong but like you're never gonna like fill any sports arena with people watching chess you just aren't because it's too mm -hmm. it's too inaccessible it's too difficult so that's okay. like one extreme end of things the other extreme okay. end of things ironically is, is probably something like smash in its casual state where it's mm -hmm. just like it's a lot of fun but or like i think maybe decidia is a good example of this too um a game that's like a that's lot of the fun. final fantasy one yeah yeah it, it had competitive depth but in terms of how it's played, it doesn't have enough depth to the point where the, the best player always has a clear advantage, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of board games are like this. They deliberately include randomness so that the best player doesn't always win. Um, mm -hmm. But there's certain games where, random or not, you just can't be good enough at them to really do well. Um, and so they yeah. might be fun for audiences to watch, but they're very frustrating to play because, like, you could just lose for no reason. Uh, I think, for instance... Uh, Call of Duty doesn't have a very active esports scene because mm. it's deliberately designed so that the best players will do better, but they won't always win. So, for instance, stuff like I know in the original Modern Warfare, there was like the noob tube, like the grenade launcher and right, the RPG, right. yeah. which yeah. guaranteed you kills because they were so overpowered, even though they were only one shot. So, at least noobs mm. could get like one kill here and there. That was the idea. Um, but mm. it meant that that, along with all the patches and crazy nonsense balance, meant that. Well, maybe some people like watching it, or like the best example right now is probably PUBG, uh, you know, player yeah. in the battlegrounds. Where mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure okay. there's lots of skill involved, but realistically, it's it's mainly BS luck. <laughs> so it has like a lot of people will stream it and they like watching it because it's a bunch of nonsense. But it's hard for that game to attract a good competitive audience because because you can just pull out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it, it it sounds kind of like what you said about the the non-competitive elements of smash like like when you turn like you have the items on like things that are random things that could give someone at any point an advantage versus like this is a purely about skill yeah even so with like, items on okay. the best player will typically win but every now and then he won't because you'll throw a pokeball at him and like the most powerful pokemon in the game will come out yeah. and wreck you or like a bomb will spawn on top of you in a way that it was unavoidable and you'll just blow mm -hmm. up and die mm -hmm. let me ask you something matt uh 
because because it sounds like what you're saying is like a, a, a game that will be cut, ha, developed this really competitive scene is where the clearly best better player will be able to shine kind of thing and there there are options to beat them but like if you have the personal best skill you'll still kind of uh, you'll still eke out like get the win is that kind of what you're yeah it needs saying, to or? be a careful balance of um uh, uh player skill but not completely mm. symmetrical player skill like chess is a perfectly symmetrical game everybody has mm-hmm. the same options it'd be like if there was only ryu and street fighter you know mm-hmm. like there needs to be some asymmetry so that people can try different strategies more than just playing the same character differently yeah yeah so but, you need some sort of like a, a level of depth to the gameplay itself mm-hmm. yeah it, it sounds like there needs to be like for any like technique there needs to be like at least like more than one kind of counter to it that's yeah can and like not and not off. just rock paper scissory counters but like like mechanical things that physically change the game like i don't know mm. i don't know how to describe mm. this because in like street fighter tends to be pretty rock paper scissorsy which i think is part of the reason why it's not more popular because mm. it is a game where your skill really determines well, everything and if you can't throw a doken you're you know, Street Fighter also has the thing of it's a really, really long running series, and like each installment, the people are expecting, hey, you know, this kind of stuff kind of worked. I'm expecting this to kind of work. So Street Fighter also has that kind of thing of like with melee of it has its like pantheon of like god level players that it's like it's really hard to get in because there's it almost feels like for really long running series, there's almost too much back knowledge that you have to immediately pick up to like start getting in. Like Street Fighter, you got to know this matchup. You have to know that this character historically has these properties. And the same with like Smash of like, you know, for Melee, you, you have to be able to know these techniques and that these techniques in this situation are good versus, but these, like the same technique in this situation is no good kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that is um, part of the key to why Smash blew up so quickly was that it was perceived as being something that was easy to get into. That, like, you don't need to sit and memorize, you know, what is it, the 10 different uh, button combinations like you do in Street Fighter. Like, you don't have to know the mm-hmm. quarter circle, half circle, and the, the Z formation for, for Shoryukens and charging and, um, you know, all the crazy stuff you have to do. Not even to be good at the game, just to play the game. Like, you can't play yeah. the game if you can't throw Hadoukens. Like, you need to be able to do that. Setting aside mm-hmm. combos and frame data and all that stuff. And so, okay. yeah. I think part of the reason that Smash is... became popular is because it's perceived as being, oh, it's just side B. It's just up B. You know, like, whatever. It's just a button in a direction. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, like, all, that, all the moves are a lot easier to, to accomplish in, in yeah. Smash. On paper, anyway. Realistically, is that... it, is, it is more or less as difficult, particularly Melee. Mm. But That reminds me a bit of, and maybe this is why, but, like, Overwatch kind of has that, too, where it's, like, it presents itself very cartoony and, like, this fun thing you can get into very quickly. But, like... I, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I've seen some, like, pro players who, like, do things that are, like, mind-blowing, and I don't know how, like, the timing even works out for the, like, certain maneuvers in that. Yeah. But the perception is cool cartoon superheroes. Yeah. I think I think it's I, I think it's because both of those games can be played on, like, two different levels. You, mm-hmm. you can play both Overwatch and any Smash game on a very sort of casual level, especially if you start turning on items and saying... Like mm-hmm. fuck it, but uh, uh, but then you can also play it on a competitive level. And when you when you move from the casual to the competitive level, I think that's when like you, yeah, that that's when you start moving into the like holy shit, how do people do that zone? Yeah, it, it sounds like it, it sounds like kind of it falls into the that camp of like easy to learn, hard to master kind of mm-hmm. thing of like anybody can like figure out some of the basic moves in a Smash game. But once you, like, have your basic moves, then it's like, okay, here's your simple tools. 
what do you do with them all kind of thing. There's this line from Ratatouille. It's like, not everyone can be a great chef, but a great chef can come from anywhere. I don't know. It feels like weirdly relevant. But yeah, no, that, that sounds pretty right to me. That's pretty much what it's all like right. to be in the competitive mm. scene too. There you um, go. Disney Disney does it again. This is a good segue though to talk about the third aspect of what I think is critical for a competitive game to be a success, which is like Ooh. something people don't really think about. It's logistics. It's just sort of the presentation of the game itself, mm. whether it yeah. whether it lends itself yeah, to a tournament yeah. format. Um, so like a lot of times running certain games like League of Legends or, or even like CS:GO. They're logistical nightmares just because like getting all the players in one place, having all the machines you need, do you have the right internet connection? And then like this was a problem in StarCraft, for instance, even though it was typically a one versus one or two versus two format. Um, mm-hmm. Whose who's cam do you show? Who do you, you know, like how do you spectate that? Um, yeah. Oh, with, yeah, no. Well, oh, God, I wouldn't even think of those kind of situ- like those kind of logistics. Go- I, I, I was watching some of the Overwatch, uh, some of the competitive Overwatch stuff that they were doing, mm-hmm. and it really is just, like, super hard to follow at all. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I, I only watch for one character. I never watch for, like, an entire match. Like, you kind of lose, yeah. lose your brain if you try that. No, but that's just it. Like, you, if you know it's going on, it's a lot easier to follow, but it's also, like, uh, like... Blizzard is trying very, very hard, and it's very difficult for them to sort of set up their cameras and who are they following and and what's going on in different parts of the match and how do you make it clear as to, like, what the plays are Mm -hmm. that make it really hard for games that have a lot of different people, that have a lot of different moving parts to be watchable. Whereas I think think Magic getting into this is, is, uh, with, like, a fighting game, it's just two people sitting in a room. And even, I I admit, like, even then it could be somewhat hard to follow. Yeah, technically, um, like, it's like, what did you just do? What is all that stuff? But even, like, for, for players of the game, even if you were a competitive StarCraft player or something yourself and you wanted to watch a match, like, sometimes it can be hard. Like, you, you need your, your commentator to follow all the players all the time. I'm sure League of Legends has the same problem, too, where just moving the camera around and commentating is physically mm. difficult because you can't see everything all at once, mm. let alone all the relevant things. Well, like, I'm sure you could, like, have some, like, maybe you could set it up so that there's, like, a spectator camera or, like, a spectator somewhere. Well, I know League of Legends has, like, you can spectate modes, and that's basically what they're using when they commentate over stuff. But, like, League and StarCraft uh, and Overwatch is just, the there's so many things going on in so many different locations mm-hmm. that it's, almost, like, you have to, like, figure out what's the actual important thing. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, Smash, Street Fighter, like, any kind of fighting game, it's usually all on one screen like the entirety of all the actions on one screen you know i never thought of that but that is definitely a way to like at least as a spectator like that's probably where you're going to find the most interesting experience of watching a thing happen Mm. yeah and i guess and i mean it's basically the 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 2d or sometimes 3d depending on the game basically you're just watching a boxing match Mm, it's just a really fancy boxing match well, like, just think, think of it from, like, a UI perspective. Like, everything's there. Nothing's hidden from you at any point. Like, it's all laid mm-hmm. out for you to see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why it's sort of baffling to me that, that League and um, and Dota are so insanely popular. Because they're, well, they have all these elements where, I mean, Dota and, and our League are very competitive. And obviously they have teams that can stay on top. But it's, I would argue that, not that there's not depth to, to League or Dota, but that it's a pretty chaotic game. It's constantly in mm-hmm. flux, so it's pretty hard to stay on top. It's not very consistent. Um, and then on top of that, it's extremely technical to the point where anyone who doesn't play the game competitively a lot has yeah. no idea what's going on. It's hard to watch because you need all the you know all the camera stuff going on. It's hard to set up because you need like ten 
freaking computers for for two teams to play um and yet it has so many followers i it's it's baffling to me but typically i would say that league is the exception that if you make a game like that you should expect it not to become very popular as a competitive game yeah hmm. again i i 100 agree with you it just kind of baffles me that mobas took off because it's like like one patch came out your whole meta just got wrecked like that whole your everybody's game plan is just ruined like these characters are now suddenly like un like they're unviable you can't they're unviable thank you I half the cast the might as well be useless in that game yeah and that's the weird thing about dota uh and mobas in general is like they have all these characters only like 10 of them show up it kind of has the same thing for me uh like with with melee does is it's like you have this huge cast of characters but really only four or five actually show up because they're so much better why would you even yeah. bother it's yeah. something i struggle with playing melee because the characters i like playing my main for a long time in melee was ganondorf because i just thought he's fun to play but he's really not very good at a competitive level um so i've tried to, mm-hmm. i've been trying to pick up samus and sheik who are themselves each a tier above each other so like samus is tier above ganondorf easily and then sheik's easily a tier above you know this is a question i always have like how do how are tiers assigned like how do you like how does the community decide like what character is what tier and whatnot it's a combination of data and opinion it's kind of like um rating good movies um Mm -hmm. but a little more objective than that because you can actually win with characters um so it can't just be results it can't just be like who's winning and how much because Mm -hmm. um you have to take into account that sometimes players are just better and so they win well, with worse characters. Um, but it also can't be all opinion because some characters straight up just are better. And although it's hard to quantify exactly how, they physically are. A lot of times they'll have like two characters will have like the same kind of move. And for another person, that move will do more damage and be faster. And so it's just objectively better in every way. Yeah. I guess it's just the way you talk about it, it sounds so technical. Like, you know, Samus is two tiers above, like, Roy or something like that. Like, it seems like there's an algorithm behind it. You can think of it this way. Like, if, if you invested the same amount of time and effort into, like, I don't know, like, Mario compared to, like, Sheik, mm-hmm. the player who invested that much time into Sheik is going to see way more results because Sheik is just mm. better. Hey, Matt, so you, you've hit on this, I think, a bit already. But the second half of this question is, we first asked, you know, what do you think, what what games do you feel lend themselves best to a competitive scene? Uh, what games do you feel would struggle with creating a competitive scene? And it, again, it seems like we've kind of hit both, but is there any like final dregs or anything you maybe haven't gone over for, for the whole, like, no, don't, don't try to get competitive folks up in this whole thing. Stay casual, yeah. that kind of situation. So like I said, it's a careful balance. Um, so there's going mm-hmm. too extreme in any one area is a bad idea. Uh, generally speaking, you always want your game to be logistically accessible. I can't think of a situation where the less accessible your game is physically, like hard to find or requires more monitors and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like imagine trying to do competitive Pokemon back in the day when you needed, you know, a, a Game Boy and the stupid cable and a bunch of other crap oh, nobody God. had. <laughs> I had that cable, thank you very much. It's the the joys of having a brother and we both had Pokemon. <laughs> stupid cable. Like the Four Swords for the GameCube is a great example. Talk about yep, a game or, uh, where you're just never going to have everything you need to play it. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It sucks because, like, I love that game. I played the solo version of that game, and I was like, this is super fun. But, like, goddamn, no one had the had, no one had the equipment to turn it on. Like, you're totally right. Mm-hmm. I remember telling this story before of trying to play uh, Crystal Chronicles with my buddies, and everybody would need their own Game Boy. Everybody would need their own Game, game Boy, like, cable to the GameCube. And always, 
somebody would always forget that cable, so that's how I ended up with like three or four of them. Adam, Adam, I'll play Sword. I'll play Crystal Chronicles with you. I'm on Pogo. I'll, I'll do it with you. <laughs> why, why don't we, in quick summary, it sounded like you had three points of what made or did not make a competitive game. Quickly summarize those last three yeah. points. It needs to be easy to get into physically, like easy to get cartridges, easy to play with other people. Your if it's online, your network connectivity needs to not suck. If it's something that you're going to stream, it has to be easy to see and follow. Even setting aside the technical problems, just easy to actually, you know, physically yeah. keep track of. Um, it needs to be ultra competitive and have a lot of depth and complexity to it, but not so much so that only a few certain people will ever be good at it, because then it's not interesting mm. to watch. Um, and but it, at the same time, it, it needs to. Um, bring in an audience of people, most of whom are going to be bad at the game, but are still really interested in it because they can play it on their own and still have a lot of fun. It has to present itself well, kind of deal. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, Matt, this is our this is our last question for moving our next segment. Of what are your thoughts on the growing trend of esports, and do you think they're helping or hurting games? I'd say it's a it's a blessing and a curse. Um, as the name suggests, esports it's an attempt to make. Uh, you know, video games more like professional sports. And the issue is that they just aren't that similar. And I don't just mean that, you know, you, don't have, you, know, you can physically sit on your ass and play a video game. I mean that the, the, the format of them is not similar. Um, they mm. just, they don't lend themselves to that same kind of treatment where you can have a bunch of old white guys sitting around a table talking about what's going to happen next, while a mostly disinterested audience is watching here and there, but largely sort of ignoring it between commercials and whatnot. Games are intense, they frequently require a lot of knowledge just to even understand. Um, and mm. the culture is different. It's it's mm. competitive, but it's competitive in a different way. Um, mm. So much of, of uh, sports is showmanship and aggression and uh, all interesting things, but they're not, they present themselves a certain way. Whereas gaming is a lot about grace. It's a lot about understanding, a lot about mm -hmm. um, someone just figuring something out, like watching a, a really good sports play is nothing like watching a really good combo or a really good read because watching yeah. a really good read you're watching someone's brain do something amazing which just isn't the same as watching somebody you know make an well, amazing pass or do an amazing shot it sounds mm -hmm. like it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of that the uh the scrub mentality like watching a game being played competitively the the best option to win is not always the great like it's not the flashiest it's not the best presented or the showiest one Whereas, like, you know, if somebody does a really great pass or something, that's always, like, pretty big because you can physically see this is what happened. But a good read is, like, I have no idea why everybody's getting all excited about this. Like, what did he do? He countered or something? Who knows? That's that's sometimes the weakness of, of commentating in esports, too, is that what the players are thinking is so much more complicated than what the commentators can present. Because the mm. the the mental battle going on, the conditioning, the... The way that I, 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 I like, do you guys even know what conditioning is? Where essentially you yeah. play a match in mm -hmm. entirely one way, mm -hmm. only so that when you're like, basically, it's 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 this push and pull talk between you and your opponent about what information you're giving, what they expect you to do when you have to do something on reaction or when you're scared, and then suddenly changing everything up. And to a player, it looks, you know, to to the average observer, it looks like you didn't do anything different. But to anybody who saw it, it's like, damn, that was nuts. He tricked him. So hard right there, and it's just hard to put that in a format that fits into a nice TV time slot and has, you know, commercials and whatnot. And so I think the problem is that the culture doesn't translate well. But at the mm -hmm. same time, it's brought a lot of good to the scene. Uh, streams have gotten so much higher in quality over the past few years. And they yeah. really are, 
you know, and there's certain things just really do translate well, like the instant replays and all that stuff. And the scene could definitely use the cleaning up its act because as fun as it is to to have ridiculous trash talk and dumb, you know, community terms for things, <laughs> it's I it's better a... that the slurs don't come out. And that, I am reminded know. of uh, Capcom sending a note to their TO saying, listen, no more thuggery. Cool <laughs> it on the what? thuggery. Wait, sorry, what do you mean no more thuggery? <laughs> what are you talking about? Because the Street Fighter scene for a long time was like, what a group of thugs. They're just like money matching everywhere. They're just calling each other out. There's some salty Stop mofos. the thuggery. With, with Stop it. No more, no more so, throwing so... your stick if you lose a round. No more thuggery. So maybe maybe melee you take and smash away is what you say. Melee and smash could use that. I mm. I love watching these salt compilations of Smash players of like this guy's so salty. Why why has he got to be this way? Usually Jeez. Smashers keep it under control. It's nothing like I think like Marvel. Is oh the no 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 I I beg to differ from maybe I'm only seeing like you're the, seeing the uh, worst. And I I probably know the worst of the worst. Too. Like, did you watch, like, the GR Smash saltiest compilation videos? Yeah, yeah. So he, he, picks, like, he literally watches hundreds of hours and picks the most right. ridiculous things people and I'm, have ever done. And I'm aware that it's, like, you know, it's the sensationalized news of it. It's like, this is just the worst of the worst, and that's all that comes up. But, man, oh, their salt is so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually know a couple of people in those videos, too. Do you, do you ever walk up to them and go, like, hey, man, I saw you on YouTube the other day. It, did your controller survive? <laughs> did, you, did you see the video? Um, uh, K9 is infamous in the Smash scene for having some pretty salty moments. Uh, he's the nicest yeah, so guy I... in real life, but when he he gets really into playing the game, I, I've seen a couple of. Uh, I, I feel like I've seen ones with him in it. You almost certainly have. He's the guy that like will yell and run out of the room. Is a is a really famous video of him <laughs> when he finally beat this <laughs> guy. He didn't think he was gonna beat. He just ran out of the room like. No, I, I don't know what, how do you, what do you call it, but like when you pump your fist down like towards your towards your stomach and like yelling, and there's just a door in his way, and he just knocks it off his its hinges literally, and just runs out. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> it was it's actually a really good moment. It's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so but <laughs> kinda, in general, a little less of that is nice in the scene, and, and you want your esports to be pretty presentable. Um, and just like a competitive game, you can't have too much thuggery. We also can't have too little thuggery. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's difficult because you want to make sure that esports also doesn't take over and make the game all about spectatorship. Uh, the game itself is really pure, and people should just play it as hard as they can. And sometimes esports can interfere and make things weird. Like they won't put certain matches on stream because they think they'll be boring, or you know they they will set up the rules in such a way that they inhibit. You know, like Evo is a classic example. Like Evo only does. Uh, best of five for Street Fighter for most of it. Uh, and then like Melee, for instance, is top three until I think for most games, it's like the last three games. Last mm. three, like all, only the finals, losers, grands, and, uh, and winners are best Street of five. Street Fighter also does that where it's best of three and then like once it's top eight, then it becomes top uh, best of five kind of deal. Yeah, for most games, it's top three and that significantly diminishes, you know, some of the best players are playing now and they have to play in a format in which Essentially, they can be janked out. You can lose one game and be out of it. Uh, particularly yeah. in Smash 4, what happens a lot uh, is what's called a reverse 3-0, where somebody is down two games and they're about to lose, and then suddenly, like a like a flip, like they flip a switch and they can't be beaten and they just take three more games, mm. like mm. it's nothing. Uh, that happens well, all you, the time. Matt, I have a question. Do you think that 
like esports is going to affect the design of competitive games for the worse or for the better it's because like it's not just what's out here now it's what's going to be in the future what people see is like effective and money grabbing and that's going to actually like you know change the way people build these entire games to be more spectacular and like easy to watch oh i think they already have i think it's already affected Mm. them tremendously um Mm. so many games now are designed to be either uh youtubeable or or, or twitchable in a way that they clearly have little moments in them that are easy to capture and are fun to see Mm. um like overwatch has that like that whole play of the game thing like play of the game game. game. literally is that where you get to watch a dumb thing somebody did um where a lot of people died (laughs) hey excuse me that play of the game I got wasn't dumb. It was masterfully crafted. And hey, you know what? That play of the game where I mercy rezzed four people from behind a wall. Excellent. Well, you can't do that anymore now, can you? Uh, <laughs> no, no, PTR hasn't gone live yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. There's still time. There's still time. In, in general, I, would, I have a sort of a, a deflating opinion on this. I think that it sort of doesn't matter um, what esports mm-hmm. does because ultimately a game's either compelling or it isn't. So whether you mm-hmm. design it for esports or not, like Melee was never designed to be what it is. And it's one of the most, I mean, it's not like as popular as League. That is absolutely not true. If you look at Design Docs of Sakurai, you could see in his footnotes just the words esports yeah. circled like a thousand <laughs> times. And then I think, like, but I, I agree with you of like, it, it's not going to matter if like esports picks it up or not. If the community's there, if the, the players want it to be, it'll, it'll be there. And it has to have a lot of competitive depth. Like Starcraft two was designed to be a competitive esports game and it was for a while, but then it just kind of got old and people stopped playing it. Cause it wasn't that interesting anymore. Um, and I think like the best example of this with Nintendo is like smash brothers, which has this huge competitive scene and Splatoon, which was a game that was clearly designed to be a competitive esports game and isn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you think it's just a matter of like it needs time to pick up an audience because like it uh, splatoon's a relatively new franchise compared to smash or i I would say um that if your game's gonna make it it's gonna make it right away uh Mm. i don't i don't think because a game games typically don't even really last that long uh you know like three years in are you still playing the same game like no you've uninstalled it and you've moved on that almost happened to melee in a lot of those games a lot of people that play melee like aren't even smashers or even really gamers they just like melee which i think is what you need if your game is going to succeed like people who play chess don't play settlers of Catan. they play chess Hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i get you um and it's not like settlers i love settlers i'm not hating on settlers i'm just saying um, your game it becomes clear pretty quickly whether or not your game is gonna take off like well it's easy to think like oh like uh, league and dota why are they so popular but before dota 2 and before league defense of the ancients and before that nexus wars on starcraft were insanely popular insanely yeah. popular yeah those those games like that would be half of the custom game lobby yeah it was was nexus wars in <laughs> starcraft or dota in warcraft 3 yeah yeah um, and so they picked up a lot of steam over a long, pretty short period of time. Like when those things came out, people knew right away that they would be good. And then the question is, uh, when something becomes popular like that, how long can the competitive depth stay around? That's why you need the depth for it. You don't need the depth right away. When people start playing your game. The first two or three years, they're going to have no goddamn idea what they're doing. If you go back and watch like competitive melee in like 2005, it's actually embarrassing. Why? <laughs> Because it's so bad. There's a joke that some of the commentators say, like, based on your current skill, like, how many how many years back would you need to go before you could actually win a major tournament? 
Ah, uh, well, that's cool. That means that people are collectively getting better then. Oh, like, absolutely. Like everyone's like growing. Whole, there's a whole like there's all these metaphors for it in the alien community. They call that like the dark ages, and now we're living in like the scientific revolution. People are figuring out all the tech, and like <laughs> to the point where like an older <laughs> player like doesn't stand a chance. It really wouldn't even be close. It's a young mm-hmm. man's game. Maybe like the best like one of the Smash the Smash Brothers documentaries about the, one of the best players ever. His name was Ken. Like played Marth, um, and he was like he was like the equivalent of like what Zero is in Smash Four now. Like for a long time, literally nobody could beat him. He didn't lose games at all. Um, and now Ken is like it's like a footnote. He's like maybe top sixty, top seventy. Okay. He, he just yeah. like he's not bad by any means. He's still a great player. He can still beat any one of us. I mean, yeah, probably. But he's he's just not. Compared to what's out there, like, it's hopeless. And then that's why Brawl didn't make it either. I mean, that's actually another thing, is that Brawl, it, it's not that it wasn't competitive, it was very competitive, but it was pretty boring to watch. It just didn't have a spectator scene. Even people who love the mm-hmm. game will tell you they're not that interested in watching it. Um, and, like, Meta Knight was the best. Like, there was no, like, it, every now and then somebody would beat the best Meta Knight players. That was so exciting about Apex 2013. Uh, Salem, the guy who just won Smash 4 Evo, had a similar upset at Apex 2013 where he beat uh, Mewtwo King, Meta Knight, one of the best Meta Knight players in the game, with Zero Suit Samus, a character that up until that point, everybody thought was kind of crappy and not very good. And he just wrecked everybody. He'd never been to a tournament before and he wrecked everyone at it. <laughs> well, so, so Matt, um, just I want to get into Design Club, but before we do, is there any anything else you want to say about esports, the trends of esports? Any any wise words for, for the kids at home? I... I would say this. If you really love a competitive game, like, mm-hmm. just dive into it and do it. Um, because there really is nothing like being really competitive at something. It's it's a feeling you you straight up can't... Like, I think a lot of people, for instance, really love, like, Dark Souls or games like that. Because that feeling mm-hmm. of, like, oh my god, this is so intense and so difficult. And finally overcoming that is, like, euphoric. It's, like, a whole level above that. Where it's so difficult and so intense... It's physically painful sometimes how stressful it is to be in the moment and to have to do everything in your power to win. But it's also something you just can't replicate anywhere else. And it's addictive. It's gotten to the point where, like, there's so many old games that I love that I more or less can't play anymore because I realize they don't have any, like, depth to them. I know know what strategies are going to kick everybody's butt and you just do that. And it's hard to, like, turn your brain off once you've gotten into that mode. (laughs) <laughs> you can and so it can kind of kill your enjoyment for other games like a lot of times reason people only play melee is because nothing scratches their itch anymore like you play melee you gotta keep playing so, melee so what you're telling me is that fighting games are drugs yeah i actually that's pretty much how i put it they're very they're addictive this has been this has have, been a long con and a sting mr matt <laughs> you're under arrest <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this is definitely a psa like i would i would warn people if you're into it now, try it out. If if it doesn't sound like your thing, don't do it. Don't get started because you won't be able to stop. And it's it's like <laughs> it's not even I'm not even exaggerating. It's literally something that becomes a compulsion to the point where you're like, "No, I can't be this bad. I must get better. I will beat that person who is spamming fireballs." Like <laughs> and you're almost better off playing casually because it's Straight up, the amount of effort it takes to be competitive is something like... It's the equivalent of, like, learning to play guitar or, like, Mm. play piano. 
And it's the same kind of thing where, like, a lot of people will spend a lot of time learning to play piano or guitar and always just kind of suck at it. And someone else will come along and they're a virtuoso. Okay. Well, I'll be honest. You're not quite selling me on it between the drugs and the elderly oh, person. I ain't, I ain't trying to sell you on it. I'm trying to tell you realistically what you could expect if you want to get into the scene. You know what would sell us, Zach, mm. Drew? I think I know what would sell us on this. What do you think it, that would be, Adam? Man, you know what's good for everybody? Oh, a design God. club. Oh. And Matt, we have specially made this design club for you. It was going to be super generic, but we decided, nah, let's hit Matt with a special one. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- we want you, and we're all going to try to pitch in and help out, and design a new character for Smash. Oh, heck uh, yes. You do not have to make every single move. I'd say pick the character, general idea of how they'd go, and maybe the special moves. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So there's actually been a lot of interesting experimentation uh, in this field recently because there's a there's a, a fan game called Rivals of Ether, which is like uh, a Smash game with all new characters, all original characters. They're all like sort of cute animals, and they all take ideas from the Smash series and then just completely run nuts with them. So, so how about this? What, what's a niche that in Smash as it is that you think would be an interesting style to have applied to the game that currently isn't implemented. Um, so there's a, bit of, there's a serious lack of what I would call trap characters in Smash. There's okay. still a few of them, but particularly with Snake Gone, there aren't nearly as many. Um, oh, a character oh, like right. this character in, um, in Dissidia I really like called the Emperor. The basic idea is he, like for instance, for his HP attack, he has these big fireballs. They're called flares. One of them you put in, 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 in place and it's stationary. And the other one follows the the character other character around endlessly but it's very slow so the key is they have to come at you with a fireball coming right at them so they just run past it okay fair enough but then you have the mine right in front of you so now they have a fireball in front of them they need to get around and meanwhile behind them slowly this other fireball is sneaking up on them and will hit them if they're not paying attention so okay. my idea for a character in smash would be a character that like leaves mines around and like has turrets and other weird stuff that like just sort of litters the stage um and forces you to be sort of uh asymmetrical about how how you approach things and those moves like friends like smash 4 kind of has this already the character's called duck hunt but he's just annoying all he does is okay. just throw garbage at you and there's no interesting way to interact with it for instance the emperor in dissidia that that homing fireball you can knock it back at him with the right kind of uh-huh. move and now, okay. all of a sudden, he has his own homing projectile coming back at him. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of interesting ways to mix things up. So in Smash, you'd be looking at a character who all these special moves that trigger traps, rather than being powerful in and of themselves, they set up into something more interesting. Yeah. Okay. Snake was kind of this way in in in, uh, in Brawl, and they got rid of him. I was going to say, like, if, if you had to... To, to build this trap character, what character from either, like, Nintendo's lineup of characters would you pull in to kind of set this up? Or yeah. maybe not even Nintendo. Like, I mean, Snake isn't Nintendo. I'm pretty damn sure Cloud ain't Nintendo. But, you know, no, that's like, true. That's fair. That's true, that's like, true. a reasonable guest character for for a Nintendo game. It's so hard because, particularly now with Smash 4, they've done, like, everything. There's, like, nobody left. Mm-hmm. Matt, what about Dark Souls character? Hmm? Oh God! <laughs> really? We're gonna bring in a Dark Souls character? I mean, if we were if we were doing stuff that was on Nintendo that's criminally unrepresented in Smash, I always thought they should bring over like Richter Belmont or somebody like Sir Simon Belmont. Oh, Dude, you know, that'd Castle be cool! And you could like throw maybe you could like throw holy water on the ground 
Or like when you throw mm-hmm. out a cross, it just stays out on screen for a long time. And then all of his moves mm-hmm. are just the whip. Mega Man's kind well, of if that you had, way in Smash If War. you had his like normal moves with like the whips, but like, yeah, like throwing a holy water could leave like the pillar of fire. Uh, boomerang might be able to like, I feel like the boomer they like Richter's uh, boomerang would work a little bit like links where it like it can go behind you then pull you back mm-hmm. kind of deal. Hmm. I think it'd and be that, more that would be able to pull just, you into like setups. If it just stuff. stayed on stage for a long time, so if it like oh like went so, out to a point and just spun and then like came back, yeah, like just I, in terms of the trap character idea, I just th- those were the characters in Smash that I always thought were lacking. It was fun that they brought in uh, Rosalina, who's two characters at once, like a puppet master character. But realistically, mm. it's you can't really control both of them at the same time because they're pretty unfair. Um, yeah. So having a situation like that where the character doesn't have many good directly aggressive options, but by constantly forcing you to come at them in certain ways, you're constantly dealing with their traps. I think that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Okay. And yeah. would you want to go with the uh, Castlevania character Belmont for that, or you got anyone else in mind? I think his moveset would be a little more limited, so it wouldn't be as interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard, I can't okay. think of a character who fits this criteria just because well, um, there mm-hmm. there have been so many that they've already used. Yeah. Maybe like Bomberman or somebody, but... Uh, I, they, I thought they had Bomberman. A... Or no, that's, that's uh, what's this? Mega that's Man. Mega, Mega Man. Man was in there. They got Mega Man in there. Yeah, that's they cool. already got I, Mega Man. That's the problem. I 100% agree with you, Matt. I'm really sad that there is no Castlevania character in Smash. For a series that like debuted and like just did amazingly well on Nintendo, I'm really sad that that no oh, yeah. Castlevania characters. And it's been on Nintendo for years. All the um, all the Castlevania games pretty much other than Symphony of the Night were either on a Nintendo console or they were on a DS. Mm. Drew, how about yes, you? Yes, Adam? Is there any character you'd make for Smash? Well, I mean, after after all of that data, like anything I suggest will be silly. I would go based, cri- yeah. based strictly off of characters there's that no, I like. There's no wrong answers. <laughs> Just pick somebody and say what their moveset would be. And I can tell okay. you if it's dumb or not. Okay, thank you. you Matt, okay, let's flip this around. Let's flip this around. Matt, we're, we're going to give you characters, and you can judge us based off of the characters we give you. You will oh, be our boy. judge. Judging How's people. that? This is going to be great. All right. <laughs> oh, no. All right, so I can't use Castlevania because we just talked about that for, like, the longest goddamn time. There you go, then. Whatever you want. The, the world is your oyster. However you want to design the character. Drew, make an oyster character. My character <laughs> is a crab from the ocean. There you go. He throw he he goes at you with his pincers and he shoots lasers for a special move. There you and go. You hit his weak point for massive damage. Yes, massive. He has knives. There are there are knives tied to his claws. He is a force to be reckoned with. Crab battle. <laughs> the, crab, the crab battle crab from the Metal Gear God Flash Short that everyone has seen. Not just not just like twenty percent of the world. I will give this a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh. One character I, I kind of wanted them to put in Smash 4 that I knew they wouldn't, but now with them pushing this game more on the Switch, I feel like they might. I would love to see Travis Touchdown. Yeah! Oh, for him is Ike. Uh, the thing is, is that Travis's moveset, where, the way I'd envision it, has already kind of been done with Shulk a bit, and a bit with Cloud. Because Travis and No More Heroes had to charge his blade up, but, but Cloud already has his limit break. Uh, I guess for me, what I w- if if I were envisioning uh, Travis, he'd have something like you'd have to charge your move up to get the max damage out of it, and it's not like clouds where it's like he charges it and gets a special version of a, of his special. He charges it, it, it's topped off, and then like the first hit does like a hundred percent of the damage it can do, and it kind of ticks down. Um, so his whole game plan is to charge up his meter, hit you with as many high damaging moves as possible. 
then has some way of basically putting a whole bunch of space between you and him so he can has time to charge. And I felt like having something like Shulk's like up like air smash or his backslash to like just basically get himself out of there or Travis has all these like throws and suplexes that might be able to like stun somebody for a second. That but sounds awesome, I, honestly. Yes, I did it. Awesome for <laughs> Matt. I, cause, cause, um, Good job. Because what we've learned, if you like, you know, between like Fox and Falco and Melee, is a character doesn't really need to be that different from an existing character to feel and play completely differently. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. what's interesting about the character you suggested is they have what's kind of like a reverse staling. So in Smash, the more you move, this, the more you use the same move, you have a nine hit Q. The weaker and less knockback that move will do. So if Travis like starts with a crappy uncharged up blade but can charge it up all the way he can like start off doing a lot of damage and then as he keeps hitting you you take less and less damage but he can keep hitting you because he's not knocking you as far yeah. and then it would be really interesting is if he had like a way to go from uh, to go from like uh from no charge to full charge immediately so he could like hit you with a soft move from a from a weak charge and then all of a sudden the full blade comes out yeah and then boom like maybe that's the, the but, that, but that was that was my idea i was like man I know Travis is kind. Of, he's kind of in one of those raunchy games. So I don't know if he would, but they're pushing him for the new uh, No More Heroes. So it's like maybe that'd be really cool. If it... I mean, All they right, put Zach... Bayonetta in the game, so yeah. if they're gonna put raunchy characters in there, they've already down, gone down that road. Yeah, they already <laughs> got one of them in there. Um, so I, I don't think I could talk to nearly as much depth, but I think I, like I've been playing a lot of uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, and they recently added the Red Mage as a class, um, and I think sort of like a like a generic final fantasy red mage would be an interesting addition um so like your normal attacks would be basically the standard sort of like rapier strikes and things like that and then i think all of your smash moves would just be different sort of like white and black magic spells and so mm-hmm. like you can sort of like aha shoot a fireball out and then like and then maybe like put like a shield up or something or do like a like a light self heal for one of the moves or basically just have sort of the like the basics of a black and white mage arsenal um onto your your smash abilities with the sort of like light rapier striking from the regular attack i guess that'd be really similar to robin i think yeah i was just about to say that they they do have a kind of that robin's like that but that'd be a really cool idea because the red mage is so versatile like they could have a move that just heals them so maybe like they um they're like a really aggressive character but then if you start to camp them they can just sit back and start healing really slowly yeah um and then they have I a good mix between could, projectiles uh, and offense yeah do like a mode switch like sheik has her you know go from zelda to sheik mode i wonder if like the red mage would go be able to go from black to white magic and you have to like style switch between the two oh that would be well, really actually, that would be so yeah, cool no actually that's that's something that comes up in final fantasy 14 is is uh is dual casting is that if you like switch between white and black magic you can get like an instant cast on the next spell I would, I would also know that if you want to completely waste your time, um, there actually is a black mage character in Super Smash Flash. What? How would I waste my time? It's Super Smash Flash. You just answered your own question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's I think that's it for our design club, unless we wanted to add any more final touches on Zach's. Oh, did, did Drew do one? Uh, mine is a crab battle crab with knives. Oh, come on. That's not a real one. Do a real one. <laughs> it, it is a real one. Get right it is as real as you're going to get. I've made you play Smash enough that you must have some idea. 
Okay, you know what? Based off of what you guys have said, the only one I can think of is Dante. He's ten he's already in Marvel vs. Capcom, but I think he'd be super fun in freaking Smash. Because he's fun whenever I play as him. Uh, he'd be the Devil May Cry 3 Dante. He would have a big fat swingy sword that he done swings. He would have no health whatsoever, goddamn ever. And he would have his freaking uh, Beowulf gauntlets that he could slap you and gut punch you with really done good. He would be for quick close combat, no projectiles, no fucks given. What, what, what about his go. guns? You should have his guns. That'd be so cool. Yeah, but his guns do no damage. They don't but, do no damage in the fucking game. But that's what it'd be for. It would just be for extending combos. He'd be like yeah. kind of like with a sword where like he would like maybe knock you up in the air and then like he could hold you there with his guns they don't really do any damage but they hold you in place long enough that he can hit you again mm. hmm. okay so then we will we will mimic his style as well and he will do that he will have his guns and he will have his swords uh but i want him to have his beowulf gauntlets because they are fucking fun yeah that'd be cool. be I mean, one, yeah. the more versatile mm-hmm. your character is the better they are for smash because then they can have a more diverse moveset nice. all right guys so, we have all given Woo! Design Club characters to Matt Brown. He has all judged them accordingly. Uh, I believe, unless there are any final thoughts, it is time for toasts and pour-outs. I, I'd like to make a pour-out to our podcasting schedule. We have most definitely broken the record for our longest podcast. <laughs> Why, we sure have, Zach. A toast, uh, pour-out to that one. <laughs> well, Matt, who knew you could talk for so damn long? Good thing I brought this snack to eat while you were talking, and I think I fell asleep at some point. <laughs> uh, I will give a toast. Toast to Matt uh, to Matt for coming on the podcast. Thanks a lot, man. This is uh, we gave you some shit, but this was really informative. I, I, you know, I appreciate hearing all your stuff. I know we all appreciate hearing the stuff you had to say. Thank you. Would you believe me if I told you that I told you maybe like thirty percent of what I was gonna say? I'm gonna beg you not to. I I 100% believe you, Matt. Uh, I I will I will toast to that extra 70% that we didn't get to hear. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, guys, this is the thing. Matt likes trap characters. He's trying to lure us into a trap so he can say the other 70%. What's our lesson of the day, Zach? Okay, oh, okay. Hey there, everybody. It's time now for the lesson of the day. Today's lesson is: don't be a scrub or a casual. You must be very competitive if you're going to win. And that's the lesson of the day. Thanks, everybody. Wow, thanks. That, what Thank a you, great Zach. lesson. Words to I live like by. It. <laughs> before, before we go, Matt, do you, have, do you have any motivational characters quotes that you want to give? Do you have any motivational speeches? Just one. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of anything, like, you know, short and quippy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would just say that... Uh, you know, as a, as a final note, competitive games are are amazing, but they're they're a whole different thing. You come to play, and you come to win, and there are no excuses. <laughs> I will I will quote Tokido from this year's Evo: mm-hmm. "Fighting games are great." There we go. There you go. That's all you need. <laughs> i thought there was a follow-up okay all right uh thank you so much listeners for listening uh if you like the show or have anything to say you can always contact us at team nitwick at gmail.com that's team n-i-t-w-i-c at gmail.com uh by all means like subscribe and leave a review up on the itunes uh this week's music is by pro leader as tends to be the case this week's guest has been the matt brown the the one the only the smash player and the great dude so claps to him uh, next week, 
Next week, we'll be going over time management in games, so be sure to give that a listen when we get to it. Uh, that's it. Have a great day and a great life, and we'll be talking to you real soon. Bye. Goodbye. Later. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Hope this was <laughs> <a problem. laughs>